A goatee, pixie cut, and two bearded brothers talk UFOs, mind control, and other strangeness. With special guest Micah and William of the Band of Bearded Brothers podcast. Episode 15 of the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. Welcome to the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. Coming to you from the glacial dumping grounds known as the Michigan Basin. I'm Michelle. And I am Wayne. And we are a Michigan-based husband and wife educator and podcasting duo that after having a UFO sighting in March of 2018, have started to examine UFOs and other paranormal topics within Michigan and beyond. Topics include UFOs, the paranormal, conspiracy theories, ghosts, alternative history and archaeology, cryptids, and all things strange and paranormal. So sit back, grab a drink, and come along with us on this journey down the paranormal rabbit hole. Hey everybody, we're back. What's going on? Hello everyone. It's been a little bit since we've uh, recorded an episode considering how we are all back in school with all the lovely kids. Yeah, four weeks in and it feels like May. <laughs> yeah, we're ready for our summer break already. That's that's for sure because nobody remembers how to behave in a classroom. I was going to say teachers out there all have calendars where they're crossing off the days right now. Yeah, we're... We're definitely counting down the days where we are ready to go. And speaking about being ready to go, people have been sharing our podcast everywhere. And a lot of people have been showing up and joining the community. It's been yeah, great. I was going to say, we love our Facebook peeps. And there's lots of you that are joining the group. Yes, we uh, continue to grow as the podcast gets more and more downloads. And now we are listening to to in over 65 countries so you guys are all massive legends so huge thank you to everybody for helping out we do we love the stories we love the the banter the videos um so just remember if you have a story you would like to tell we would like to talk to you you can reach out to us at mi.ufo.podcast at gmail.com Send us a brief summary of your experience and we'll contact you to discuss things further and try to get you or your story on the podcast. Yes. And also, if you want to help support the podcast, you can do so by checking out our merchandise store. It's got its own domain now. It does. It's miufopodcaststore.online. So very simple to remember, but this will also be put in the show notes. Same Swag store, just yeah. a much T- cooler t-shirts URL. to tote, t-shirts to tote bags. Nothing like rocking something that has an alien on the front. Absolutely. All right, Michelle, this show tonight. This it was gets a, a little crazy. It it does get crazy, but it was a fun conversation with those two. Right. We have Micah and William from the Band of Bearded Brothers podcast on tonight. So I will admit. I was a bit fired up during this conversation, especially when we got onto mind control and cell phones and yeah. how they're manipulating kids. Well, there was definitely a lot of topics that we talked about that could get anyone fired up. Yeah. So, all right, Michelle, I think it's that time. It is time for What's in the News. Yes. What is in the news? 
So hitting some cyber news here, there's lots of talk about UAPs and the investigation going to Congress. And so there is an article out within the internet just September 23rd, so quite recently, yep. that the fiscal year 2022, the NDAA provision would create permanent UFO office at the Department of Defense. Mm-hmm. So the fiscal year 2022 National Defense Authorization Act, the NDAA, will be brought to the House floor for continued consideration and an eventual vote this afternoon, according to Majority Speaker Steiny Hoyer. A lesser known provision of the bill would create a new office at the Department of Defense dedicated to studying unidentified aerial phenomena. And I do believe Marco Rubio is his counterpart in this uh this committee or whatever, and he also was signing on that, but it doesn't mention that here. Well, it's interesting that after the report that came out in June that now they're looking at even a further study. Well, they apparently they released the report, the the big report to the committee, and then they went on recess. They come back from recess, and this is one of the first amendments that they want to add to the NDAA. So it's... It says federal officials have previously pointed at emerging tech as a key to unraveling these mysteries, and this office would look to do just that. The Pentagon has been studying its handling of UAP sightings, otherwise known as unidentified flying objects. This year, and looking at the work of the UAP task force established last August, This provision would have the Secretary of Defense work with the Office of the Director of National Intelligence to expand the work of the task force department-wide within 180 days of the enactment of the NDAA, according to the bill's text. A preliminary assessment by the ODNI confirmed more than 140 UAP sightings, 80 of which were captured by multiple sensors. And, you know, this is something that we even talked about with the guys tonight. That's right. Um, as far as the, you know, the one being the deflated balloon and then the other ones just kind of like, hmm, don't know what they are. Yeah, but also notice here that it says 140 UAP sightings. But 80 of those were actually captured on multiple sensors, which that means that's the kind of stuff they're going to focus on because they have actual data from radar, sonar. Of course, they don't tell us that. They just say multiple sensors. Yeah, it's not a single, you know, tunnel vision. Now they've got all the other aspects that they can look at it. And when we think about 140, we know that this is a very short time period that they're even looking right. at these as well so and and this uap task force that's that a tip that uh, uh luis elizondo was the head of yeah that broke the stories on the tic tac and everything kind of the whistleblower if you will so the purpose of the office would be to develop ways to standardize the collection, reporting, and analysis of UFO sightings by the Department of Defense, as well as develop ways to make sure reports from different military departments are collected in a central database. 
Not prepared to simply chalk up such sightings to aliens, the office would also be tasked with evaluating any links between UAPs and adversaries, other foreign governments, or non-state actors. The office would then look to determine what sort of threats the UAPs pose to the nation. The office would also look to collaborate with other, other federal agencies and allies on the issue. The bill would require annual reporting from the office to Congress from 2022 through 2026, with the first report due by December 31, 2022. In addition to the number of reported sightings for the year and analysis of them, the report would need to analyze what threats UAPs pose to the nation, whether any sightings have been linked to adversaries, updates on any coordination with allies, updates on efforts to capture and exploit any discovered UAPs and more. Man, they've already been doing that. Come on. They've... They've already captured and exploited a bunch of discovered UAPs. They're just not telling us. And now we got to wait till December 31st of 2022. Yeah, so here's for this the little, first report. Come it's on. the dangling of that carrot right yep. in front, just like they did with the report in well, June. Just, they want to show us that they think they're that that they're doing something, but really, you know, Oh, they obviously have the money for it. So the bill's enactment, yeah, the bill's enactment, if this provision holds intact, would signal the end of the UAP task force and the beginning of this office picking up its work on the issue. Ah, yes. Let's just change names of things and and move things around. Uh, You know, UFO is no longer a UFO. It's a UAP because, well, they probably had a marketing group come in and Say, you know, UAP sounds better than UFO. You know, you guys have stigmatized, along with your buddies in the media, you guys have stigmatized the UFO acronym. You you need to change it so it gives it legitimacy, so it looks like you're doing something. So UAP is the politically correct name <laughs> for a UFO. Yeah, I just just I'm a little cynical, you know. Especially with the stories and the people we've talked to and the the issues that have gone on with these things. And, and this is the best we're going to get. But anyways, we got a second story here, and it's a short one. And this was sent to us by one of our Facebook members and a listener of the podcast. And this one is kind of a funny one, yet kind of a serious one. I don't know if this is maybe a setup. Or what, but the links will be in the show notes for both of these articles. This one's called TikToker Film Secret Stealth Drone at Skunk Works Base. A short TikTok video is buzzing on open source intelligence outlets, which appears to show some sort of secret American advanced stealth unmanned aerial vehicle or a UAV being towed on a flatbed trailer and further analysis has identified the location and likely explanation of the seven-second video clip. Ruben Hoffs, an OSINT-themed Twitter account, used Terrain Association to geolocate the source of the video to Lockheed Martin's Helendale Radar Cross-Section RCS Measurement Facility, a longtime stealth aircraft Testing facility in California's Mojave Desert. 
Once Hellendale was pinned as the source location of the video, further logical analysis suggested that the airframe shown in the video was likely a mere quote unquote test shape and not an actual viable aircraft. The Hellendale facility uses various radar frequencies against the test shapes to determine an airframe stealthiness. Well, I can tell you one thing. I bet you I know one contractor that is either fired, paying a lot of fines, sitting in prison, or has been disappeared. I was going to say, for folks out there, I mean, it is something really cool to look at because I can imagine if it pivots or tilts a certain way, it probably, I mean, that's how it goes invisible. Yeah. So by the shape of it. Yeah, plus those are like radar-absorbing materials that they usually put on the outsides of those things, like the stealth fighter and stealth bomber. So not only are they very low profile, especially if they're flying toward a radar, any radar waves that hit them give off a very weak return and usually don't make it back with a strong enough signal to the radar receiver to be detected now if they start banking and things that's different they increase their profile but that's yeah so much for secrecy there's one guy out there being told you had one job (laughs) well yeah exactly (laughs) you had one job (laughs) honestly why would they if this was so top secret why would they put it on the back of a flatbed trailer in the middle of the day and move it across the parking lot where there is contractors working. Oh, why do people do a lot of things? So this is definitely one of those cases. Good question. And then the story goes on to say, while this may not be an actual secret U.S. military aircraft, Lockheed Martin probably didn't want images of it trending on the Internet. The video was seemingly filmed by a third-party construction contractor who's disappeared. No, I don't know that. Uh, more than likely signed a non-disclosure agreement before being allowed to work inside the facility. After publishing the video on TikTok, he may have received a visit from the men in black. Oh boy. So there we go. So here we got a story and stuff, and then let's just discredit everything with the men in black little jab. Well, I'm sure whoever that construction contractor was, Maybe a vehicle showed up. <laughs> Maybe, like I said, tinted windows. There's a there's a contractor company that just put out an ad on Indeed looking for a new worker because somebody disappeared. Suits. It's yeah. the suits. All right, Michelle. That's enough of the news for today. Why don't we get into some shout outs? Oh, we do have some shout outs. First one going out to Cosmographia, the Randall Carlson podcast. It is their mission to investigate and document the catastrophic history of the world and the evidence for advanced knowledge in earlier cultures. You will also learn of the profound effect it has on human civilization, both past and future, its relevance to Earth herself, and how to successfully cope with the inevitable changes that are sure to visit our dynamic geocosmic system. And then we're going to jump over to the UFO Garage. The UFO Garage is a podcast about UFOs, aliens, and all things weird. The UFO Garage podcast is a fun, laid-back approach to the UFO UAP alien phenomenon. We love chatting with interesting people, hearing strange stories, and having a beer or two. Hosted by Joe and Ben. They are dudes. You're a dude. 
he's a dude, she's a dude, we're all dudes, yeah. And that's kind of the feel of the that podcast. I just discovered them and thought they were pretty funny and, and just very, very cool. Oh, to they are to. entertaining. It, it is. It's like watching Cheech and Chong of absolutely the, the the uap world yeah but they got they get some great guests on there they so, do uh, they yeah. sure do so give them a give them a listen check them out so next we have the lost in the dark podcast hosted by burton and aaron this is a pretty cool podcast that bills itself as an attempt to capture incredible conversations between best friends as we explore all of our passions but especially music and the world of heavy metal. So if you're into paranormal investigations and loud heavy metal music, give them a listen. Strong language, but it's heavy metal and paranormal. What else would you expect? And last but not least, we're going to go across the pond to the UK and give a shout out to Phenomenon Magazine yet again, the world's most recognized e-zine of its kind. The magazine investigates the whole realm of the strange, profound, unknown, and unexplained. They delve into the paranormal, UFOs, cryptids, parapsychological, and 14 events. The magazine can be downloaded every month for free in PDF format. Check the show notes for a link to the magazine. We will also be featured in an upcoming issue of the e-zine, so stay tuned for more. And we do have an ad running in there. So it's awesome that they are uh, promoting the podcast in their magazine. That's great. So thank you very much, guys, at Phenomenon Magazine. All right, Michelle, why don't you tell people a little bit about who we have coming on the show tonight? Well, we've got the Band of Bearded Brothers. A little bit about the guys. We are just two brothers with beards who enjoy good conversation coffee and debating the great mysteries of the world this includes but is not limited to politics aliens reality human control and manipulation through many outlets are you sure your reality is real are you sure what you believe to be truth is true will we be a multi-planet species soon will ai rule the world in the next 10 years Will we be able to live through our consciousness being downloaded for hundreds of years to come? Are we already part cyborgs and unaware? That's cool. That is cool. <laughs> what a what a great concept. And I can't wait. Let's go ahead and dive into this interview with Micah and William from B-O-B-B or Bob, the band of Bearded Brothers. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are joined tonight by two Michigan podcasters. We got Micah and Will from the Band of Bearded Brothers. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, glad to have you guys on board. Happened to discover you guys um, not too long ago and started listening. And I think the first thing I found was Will with christina gomez along with jimmy church yeah and i was like okay this this is gonna be good i got i gotta sit back and see what's going on and that was that was amazing that was kind of my first exposure now i've been going through christina gomez's stuff like crazy your guys's stuff like crazy and it's uh just been a crazy just 
crazy ride. It's been a lot of fun. So why don't you guys tell our audience a little bit about who you guys are and what got you into doing something like this? Sure thing. Uh, Mike, you want to go first then? Well, <clears throat> mine's going to be really, really short and sweet. Um, so uh, I, I guess for, for me, I, I enjoy talking about, uh, I'm, I'm more of a political person. That's, that's kind of my my wheelhouse. Um, and, and I, I, I like to look at things in a very, um, logical aspect. So my role, uh, in our podcast is really to kind of real William in, real William in, and, uh, kind of tone down a little bit of, you know, what he comes, comes at me with. Um, so the biggest reason why I got involved, uh, 100% honest was, was William was like, you know what, I'm going to go buy $3,000 worth of equipment and I'm going to start a podcast and, uh, I want you to do it with me. So, um, you know, at, at that point I was like, you know what, I got nothing to lose here. You got uh, drafted. Yeah. 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 It was, it was kind of a tag along for it. Um, I mean, I, I enjoy the, I enjoy it. Um, you know, it's something I, I can't always make time for, unfortunately. Uh, I, I've been working a lot as of, as of late. So it's, it's uh, between, you know, trying to have family time and, and, and work is, is kind of, it's difficult to kind of fit in, but uh, you know, I, I, I try to make do, um, but I, I'm sure William will have a much more fantastical story <laughs> as to, uh, getting involved in podcasts. Awesome. Uh, no, not really. I mean, um, I, I had heard of podcasting and, and <clears throat> I didn't really know what it was. Honestly, what hooked me in was, well, you guys are from Michigan. You may or may not know them. Do you yeah. know the radio show, Dave and Chuck the Freak? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So, you know, being in the trades and working every morning, you know, I'd listen to those guys and, you know, and then I knew when they were ending, okay, we're getting close to lunch or whatever. So that was my initial, I guess, introduction because the problem is I'm working in trades, So it's loud. You can't always just be standing by a radio. So yeah. I was like, man, they gotta be somewhere. Like there's gotta be so I can just like listen to the old episodes and um i downloaded uh iheart radio and i found them initially and i was listening to them for a while and then they had an episode that was dealing with um i think it was when the tic tac incident had, had come out right? okay the nimitz uh encounter yeah and uh i was like that's interesting and and i'd always been intrigued even though i wasn't outspoken about it, i was always intrigued by the the idea of uh you know, there being other beings, and I don't want to speak for Mike necessarily, but we we were raised in a pretty religious household. Uh, far as that was kind of a taboo subject. I mean, if if it was a, you know if it was an alien, it was just an unidentified you know like object. They were like, well, that's just an angel, or or perhaps some sort of a, a of a bad thing, like say a cryptid encounter. We said, well, that's just a demon. You know what I mean? It was just angels or demons. Those were like our only two options. I feel like right. And so. <clears throat> from that i i just typed in one day i was like all right ufo i just typed in ufo and the ufo garage podcast came up and started listening to them and they were a lot of fun and they were making me laugh but also bringing out some information i was like you know that's a good, good point and they actually inspired me and i've always told them they were the reason i got i got started uh and then obviously like joe rogan and stuff yeah which joe we're still waiting here back I don't, I don't know i guess the guy's uh got a show he's doing or something so yeah, he's he's a little busy <laughs> It's a little busy. So yeah, Mike is absolutely right. I, I tend to get too carried away with things. Uh, one could say I, I, I jump a little full force into things. And then, what, what's the old saying? Uh, uh, what is it? Oh, something re rewards the brave. How does that go? What's the saying on that? 
fortune uh, rewards. fortune fortune rewards the foolish or it could be the foolish. Right? <laughs> yeah, it could be. I can't remember the saying. Something like right? this. So basically, if you're willing to take a risk, you, you know, you could come out positive, right. or you could come out negative. But absolutely, you know, and yeah. uh, I would say the the negative aspect. If there's one right, Mike is absolutely right. I spent like a lot of money on stuff we didn't even need. Like we've we've helped people now get started. And we're like, listen, you guys only need a couple tops, a couple hundred dollars tops yep. and you sound amazing matter of fact now they're getting so good with it i, I really tell people hundred dollars and under and you can have a whole platform and everything so absolutely anyways, that's what our show i was like micah i'm into this kind of stuff but i knew he had a lot of knowledge in the political aspect of it and you and i have t- chatted about this recently yeah. you're saying that mm-hmm. it's very hard to cover the uap or the ufo whatever term you want to use and how, i love how they keep changing it terminology um without bringing in the government entities and three other agencies. So I, I was interested in his aspect on that to like, he brought up the point of keeping, I knew I could get carried away. So I was like, we need someone who's balanced in this and is going to be that, um, is going to challenge me on episodes where I'm like, they're everywhere, you know, and all this stuff. So I, I was like, let's, let's come and hang out. And we have, we've done political ones. And I, I definitely learned a lot from him that way and, and started to understand economics a lot more than I did prior to that. And I think I could be wrong, but I think I'm starting to win him over with with the at least being open to the possibility of um, of there being some other crafts out there. So that's kind of the mission statement of our whole podcast is that we're uh, a podcast for humans uh, dealing with human control and manipulation, essentially, through mainstream yeah. media. And that rolls into everything, not just political. I'm talking about this kind of stuff, talking about the fact that the world is much more amazing than we realize. So that's it in a nutshell. We just love open conversation we're both huge supporters of the first amendment obviously and, and freedom of speech so that's that was another thing that was really changing at the time and mm-hmm. we just felt that this was an avenue that we could still kind of we got in the game at a bad time i guess really we got in the game when uh when a lot of things were starting to be censored a little more but it's it's been a blast and we've encountered so many great people that are doing it as well uh yourselves included so it's just amazing to me that like every other week i seem to be finding another podcast that becomes oh, a new yeah. favorite of mine so the that's, rabbit that's hole of podcasts yeah uh, you, you, so true. you know you you got to find a lot of things to do around your house so you can listen to all the podcasts that are that you're finding say, the, the peeps are talking um i looked it up for you it's the roman poet virgil that said fortune favors the bold ah there, there you go. go polish the bold yeah i thought there was a both version. ways though yeah <laughs> right, yeah right. hey you know depending on how bold you are you could end up looking a little foolish 100 percent. Uh, all right so uh, another question so we we kind of find ourselves uh a lot of the times interviewing other podcasters and talking about your experiences and things like that um, so what other podcasts you had mentioned UFO garage and uh, I just found those guys as well, because will, I think you were doing a show for them on the weekends or something like that. So what other things are you involved in? And Micah as well, is there he any is, other thing? He is involved in way too many. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll just, you, you start having fun. I mean, you know, and you start learning. That's, that's what I like about it. Cause my wife and I came into this and we are neophytes in the way of uh, UFOs and paranormal stuff until what happened to us, which was ridiculous, but Micah, go ahead. Or I'm sorry, Will. 
Oh, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, definitely. If, if anybody wants, uh, I definitely recommend checking out the UFO Garage podcast. I mean, they, they brand themselves as that uh, they're into UFOs, aliens and all things weird. And they're just a couple of dudes. And I don't think they take any offense to me saying that. I mean, that's oh, what yeah. they're about. They come off as that very Cheech and Chong kind of vibe to them. <laughs> um, but they have some of the most amazing guests in this uh, little group of people, I guess you could say, yeah. or in this community that reach out to them simply because the community had gotten so divisive in some ways and, and very separated. And we had the newer generation coming in, some of the older generation. And it was this weird um, conflict, which is some of, like you mentioned, Christina, um, that's some of what she's been dealing with. And we're trying to bridge that gap. And they're just a fun UFO, like podcast. And they don't just deal with UFOs, but generally speaking, it's almost always related something to a UFO. Right. But also from them, mainly this is where all the other podcasts we deal with have we met. Um, there's a group, called the what if tomorrow podcast and they're in kansas city and their main thing is um they're all about preparedness just anything oh. and it doesn't have to be the idea of a of the government and stuff like that they're they're in the idea of like it could be a solar flare it could be a tornado you know where they live that's stuff they deal with yeah yeah so that's a big thing for them and and they're a you know former he's a former marine himself so he's a very military kind of concept they both work in avionics and they've had some experiences so their understanding of seeing um what a flight knowing what we can do and what we've been taught about avi avionics <laughs> and physics and then seeing something as you guys have experienced yourself defy the laws of what we understand it's a very unnerving thing so those are two groups that we've we've stayed really tight with and um other than that man oh you go down a rabbit hole there's a there's a crypto not podcast they're all about cryptids you know you start finding all these different groups they're like they have their niche they're just this one thing and Mike and I have talked about this before. I don't know that we have a niche. I, I don't know, Mike, do you feel we have a niche on something? <laughs> I don't really think we do. We've um, No, I, I, I don't think we do. We kind of, we're all over the map. So it's, you know, we, we could talk about uh, secret government projects one episode and then we can go into Bigfoot in the very next one and <laughs> we go back to true crime, basically. You know, so it's, no, I don't think we really have a, a groove we've settled in yet no no i was Which gonna say that's pretty much us too because we've gone from you know the the ufo sightings in michigan when we first started talking about the 1966 ann arbor mm -hmm. hillsdale area and then you know a few episodes later we're talking about high technology in egypt so and making jokes about copper chisels <laughs> right you know having johanna james on and ben that was amazing uh from uncharted x and uh and, and for me, I, I really enjoy that stuff because as a, as a earth and space science teacher, um, the stuff that I was taught in college about the ending of the last ice age just made no sense to me that humans killed 180 some species of megafauna, things that would eat your face off, you know, in a heartbeat, uh, you know, saber tooth tigers, mastodons, uh, you name it, you know, the short faced bear, um, these animals, the terror bird that was running around and, and they were designed to shred people. I mean, uh, crazy, you know, stuff. And the explanation was, well, they all got killed in a flood or, um, you know, humans hunted them all, or maybe they got sick or it got really cold. Well, you know, that's not a good explanation for my $60,000 of college debt to get a degree so I can Maybe teach they got this the stuff. Flu. Yeah. 
They got the coof. They got the coof. They didn't get the jab. So all these animals got the coof. But it, it's it's not, it didn't make sense to me. And so all these years went by and, you know, I just kind of put it in the back of my head. And, and then I happened to be uh, checking out this Joe Rogan podcast thing. And there is my God on the on the podcast. It's Randall Carlson. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. This dude is saying what? And he pulled out so much information in one of his episodes with Joe Rogan. I was like, holy crap. These are, this is what I was looking for. This is what makes sense to me that, okay, yeah, there was all this melted water north and these amazing ice dams were created and then they just finally broke. Uh, Really? No. Okay. No, that makes no sense. An ice dam. And then you, you have this, where's the energy that melted all of this? I I mean, being Michigan boys, you know, we were underneath Mm -hmm. uh, three miles of ice here easily. That's why we get earthquakes here because the crust here is pushed down into the softer layers of the upper mantle. And now it's rebounding back. It's called isostatic rebound. And that's why we get these little weird earthquakes here, even though we're not on any faults. And it's like, this is an explanation. This makes sense. Not, you know, people running around as uh, brothers of the serpent would say in, in butt flaps, right. And loincloths and addle killing huge mastodons by the troves. Yeah. Right. By the troves. Cause you know, that's what they did. No hunters didn't kill off all of their, their food. I mean, it, it's, it was crazy. And, uh, then he started getting more into, uh, you know, well, this is how it could feed into that idea of Atlantis. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, oh, the the oceans rose by 400 feet in the matter of days when all that yeah. ice melted. And it's an impact. There was an impact or multiple impacts of a broken up comet that struck the northern ice sheets. And that makes sense, especially with all the evidence out there that you have these, this evidence that shows that there was some type of an impact, some massive burning that happened on the planet and this huge rush of water. And I don't know, but 150 some uh, religions that all talk about some kind of a biblical flood. Um, How many witnesses do you need to convict somebody of stealing? I mean, right. (laughs) right. So how many, how many witnesses writing a book talking about their, their religion, you know, even though it's guised in a religion, but talking about history of their ancestors surviving a flood. I mean, so anyways, that, that kind of, that spiraled me down the, the rabbit hole and, and, you know, then grand Hancock Hancock and, you know, awesome stuff. So I don't know. And I, I, I'm kind of, I treat my wife like Will treats Micah. I kind of hooked her in and <laughs> said, Hey, you got a background in theater and speech and you know how to write. I'm a scientist. I don't, I don't do well with that. So come along. He come. knows. I just typically like to talk. <laughs> well, there is that. <laughs> so that, that was uh, when I started getting into this stuff. And then we had our encounter, which was, you know, 
ridiculous in 2018. We, you should tell, especially if we're going to end up sharing this a couple of weeks after you guys whatever, because our audience wouldn't know anything about that. Mike, oh, yeah. so I mean, you can at least, I mean, I know here's obviously you've heard it, but I mean, he hasn't and they haven't. So I'm sure they'd be curious. Oh, yeah. We should uh, tell the audience, by the way, that this is going to be what we're calling a swap cast, where once we release our episode there, um, Will and Micah are going to also release this same episode on their feed as well. So this is going to go out, you know, throughout a couple of feeds, which will be very cool. Uh, Michelle, why don't you uh, kind of what we lead off tonight? The- where we were playing late night bingo. <laughs> guys were partying <laughs> hard. We yeah. were we, partying I'll really tell you what, hard. We were giving those old ladies a run for their church money. Let yeah. me tell you. Well, well, it wasn't at a church, but we had left there. Um, God, what was it? It was about 2.30 in the morning on yeah. Ford Road. Wow. Heading east, heading west. That's the late night. That's the hardcore. People. Yeah, that's the <clears throat> that's, the one. That's the serious bingo players right there. Yeah, that's <laughs> how many cups of coffee can you drink to stay awake mm-hmm. and not fall asleep in the car on the way home? Yeah. So, but we were wide awake and we were driving on Ford Road um, in the Jeep, and you could see like an object down just past two seventy five, um, just south of the IKEA building. And as we got closer, I'm, I'm looking at it and I look at Wayne, I go, when did our military get that? And I'm looking at it going, and it was this triangular shape. And I'm like, it was is, huge. It, is it a drone? That can't be a drone. It's like, yeah. what's going on the way it was moving. Um, put the window down to like, look at the lights underneath. And we're trying to get on 275 at the same time. And it's just hovering there. Hmm. And then pivots and the we lost it with the trees so because it was yeah. just above the trees at 275 and ford road and so it began going like southwest kind of parallel with us because we were getting on 275 south and uh it rotated i could see it rotate but it was these three big glowing orbs that weren't really giving off light it was really bizarre to try to explain it was not like a spotlight they were like recessed recessed lighting that had no beam coming down from it and my best estimates were that this triangle was about anywhere from two to three hundred feet probably somewhere in the middle on each side and those those glowing orbs were up recessed in it and it was so low that the street lights that were reflecting off of Ford road were reflecting light back up into the sky was kind of illuminating the bottom of it. And it looked like it was a skin and you could see the light. Cause I got closer to it. Once I was going around the Michigan U-turn to merge onto the expressway. So she lost sight of it as I was going around and I'm starting to gun it. Cause I, my brain is going, it's not moving. There's no wings. Uh, yeah, we're close to the airport, but those aren't landing lights. They're pointed down and recessed up. And I could see the light kind of being absorbed almost by that's, that's the only way I can really describe it. Or if you take like a lighter over a piece of metal and you get it really hot and you can see the colors change. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like absorbing or whatever, but you couldn't see, you couldn't see the triangle but you could get the faint outline from the light hitting it and it kind of going around the side and then disappearing and i would say that the thing was probably close to 
anywhere from two twenty to thirty feet thick at least, at least like three stories high. And it was just sitting there like a perfect triangle. And as I, we were kind of getting ready to go underneath it, and I'm gunning it to get away from the thing, it it pivots. It doesn't bank. It doesn't fly over us. It's stationary and it rotates in place, then starts going south, moving parallel with us. And I gunned it and we went down this sound abatement down into 275 by Ann Ar- what is that? Ar- Ann Arbor Trail Road there? No, no. It's Ford Road heading towards uh, yeah, Michigan so, Avenue. So in between Michigan Avenue and Ford Road, mm-hmm. there's a place where you go down and there's the wall there. And I lost sight of it. Besides, I was on the opposite. You know, I was on the driver's side of the car. So she would have saw it more than I did. But with the trees and everything, we lost it. We came up and I'm expecting it to be right there. I mean, the thing was huge and just creeping along. And we look up. It was gone. Just like that. Well, in in the area, you know, just for the listeners, there's a small airport in Canton um, around um, like lily road yeah, or it's whatever tiny though it's I for mean, general aviation the, aircraft. this object like, was probably the size of that little airport yeah and then yeah. there's willow run yeah that's what i was um, thinking of because we grew up right over by willow run yeah and yeah. so i'm thinking okay it's headed in the direction of willow run and then it was headed opposite the direction of metro airport because we live down by the airport yeah yeah and it, it was it was gone but there was, was nothing it. on any flight schedules as far as, you know, what was looked up and move on never got back with us. Yeah. We filed the report and everything. And so, you know, uh, never heard anything back. So we talked for a little bit about it. Like, you know, what was that? We, did we really see that or whatever? And I don't know which one of us came up with the idea. We were like, you know what, let's start a, just a little Facebook group and see if anybody saw the same thing. Yeah. And they can come on and tell us what they saw. We were honestly trying yeah. to find somebody who was up at two thirty in the morning driving yeah. around Ford yeah. Road two seventy five. And, and there know. were cars around, but nobody seemed to react to it. And uh, so we did that. And then the people started. And this is a private group. You know, we just put it out there and with our story, and people started signing up, signing up telling their stories like what in the hell well and then lately too there's been some activity in the downriver area around southgate lincoln park and so there's been folks who have been posting in a downriver and friends group on facebook and so i know that i've shared our link out a couple times there too because now we're hearing stories from you know the downriver area yeah but when we first when we first uh, started this you know we had a we had people starting to show up and it it started to snowball to the point where now we're at almost 4,000 people on this group and mm-hmm. we've read some of their stories on our podcast, but even before that, yeah. well, we, again, it's a private group, so it's yeah. not like it was public. Either. Right. And so people started sharing it out and things like that. And then a couple of years later, you know, bring us around to about February. When did I get the itch? maybe January, I said, you know what, with all of this stuff, January of this year, yeah, with all of this stuff we're getting from people other than just what we saw and other triangle information and things like that, people seeing something in different parts of the state, maybe we should just start a podcast and start talking about it. And uh, oh my God, 
you know, when we started reading people's stories out there and then started interviewing people, it just went nuts. It kind of changed our whole worldview on the whole situation. And as a scientist, now I'm, you know, I'm skeptical. I'm not going to believe things. Even if I experience things, like if Michelle wasn't with me, I probably wouldn't have said anything. I would have just, <laughs> right. I would have just wrote it off because like, I'm not going to talk about this. And now it's like, we start the podcast and all of this stuff and we're interviewing people. And one of the first people we get is Terry Lovelace talking about mm-hmm. his flying triangle and abduction thing and what happened to him and his friend Toby while they were camping. And that was amazing and just frightening. And, uh, you know, because I want to know what, okay. What things can show up in our airspace and do whatever they want and just disappear when they want and, you know, uh, maybe be a threat, maybe not. Don't know. But why are they here? Well, and at 2.30 in the morning, there's not a lot of air traffic around the metro, you know, area. I mean, most of the flights are coming in or going out at around 5, 6 a.m. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And just to clarify. I have a background in aviation. You know, I was well on my way of having a student pilot or my pilot's license. I was a student pilot. Um, uh, I've flown airplanes. My dad has been is a retired uh, United Airlines pilot. Um, I've been flying since I can remember with him in various airplanes on various airliners in the military when I was in the army. You know, I always joke with my students, you know, my main job was jumping out of airplanes, repelling out of helicopters and blowing up tanks. That's what I did. That was my job. I was an anti-armor guy. I could hit a tank with a wire guided missile off a Humvee at three miles away in smoke and could, you know, I'm, I've been around aircraft my whole life. This was not an aircraft. This was something else in the air. And uh, no landing lights on it, no navigational beacons on it, no, you know, because there was no wings, there was no engines, there was no sound, there was no movement of the the structure at all, other than it just, it didn't bank, it rotated, it defied every possible law of aerodynamics of how a plane flies today, even our best fighter jets, right? So uh, that, that threw up the red flag and it's like, well, I'm gunning it the hell out of here. <laughs> and and then it snowballed to where we're at today with, you know, interviewing yeah. people and trying to get down to the bottom of, of what's going on. And then we find out that there's this UFO report that, Oh, then we find out what the Nimitz situation and mm-hmm. these videos start breaking. And then there's a UFO report coming out and like, okay, this is, this is real. This is, Mm -hmm. this is the real deal. So why not put on our, our educators hats? Cause we're lifelong learners as they like to say, (laughs) right. As a teacher, you're a lifelong (laughs) learner. You go to all these professional developments and stuff, right. And you're, you're learning how to become a better teacher and blah, 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 blah. Well, I put that hat on though, when it, when it comes to learning what is going on, what's really the deal with this community, what are people seeing and stuff. And Mm -hmm. uh, so now I'm on like this massive fact finding mission to figure out what the hell was this thing? What are they doing here? Who are they? Is there even a, they, Um, right. You know, and then we found out about the, 
the massive media coverage in 1966 of the mm-hmm. Ann Arbor, Dexter, Hillsdale, you know, UFO sightings that went on in March for about two and a half, maybe three weeks. At least that's how long it was reported for. And come to find out, you want to talk about conspiracy theories. <laughs> J. Allen Hynek came in here and toting the Project Blue Book disinformation. Oh, it was just swamp gas kind of stuff. And the media bought it hook, line and sinker, made everybody feel like a bunch of idiots and then buried it. It was gone. I'm 51 years old. I was born in 1970. I never, ever, ever heard of anything about this. And it was huge. If you look up video mm-hmm. records, the the news media outlets had rooms filled with people, you know, convention halls full with people to hear this explanation as to what these things were that people were seeing. They were seeing them land in their backyards and all of this stuff. Yeah, we've, you know, what was it? 50 co-eds or something like that at at one of the, at the Hillsdale campus, all watched these things for a couple hours. Yeah. Gave their testimony and everything. Yeah, it was, it was swamp gas. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I'm sorry. And so now it's like, what, what's really going on? We've had 70 years of covering up and then the best Mm -hmm. we can get now that, there's people like you and us asking questions and out there in the pod podosphere, I guess you would call it. Yeah. And uh, the best answers we can get is a nine page report <laughs> that talks about 143, 143 sightings, mm-hmm. one balloon, one, one, one was deflated, one, one deflated, right, right. right. So the only data that they are looking at is the data from about the 2004 time frame. They're not going back mm-hmm. the 70 years. Yeah. You know, I, if, if I ever had Lou Elizondo on here, that would be one of the big questions I would have for him. And I'm sure he would ob- obfuscate, right? He would mm-hmm. dodge the question because he's awesome at doing it. I don't fault him for it. Yeah. I find him to be very good at it. And it makes me snicker sometimes. Well, I really wish I could get into that. Yeah. But don't worry. You'll be finding out more in a few months. And we'll get like, the next nine pages. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because well, he but, holds, he still holds a security clearance, right? In his yes. non-disclosure yeah. form. So that's the whole reason yeah. Yeah. that he's held on to that. Because if he would let that go, right. granted, he'd be out of the loop going forward. Yeah. Technically, he'd be open to discuss. So there's got to be something there that he knows as to why he's holding on to that security yeah. code. Well, he's the whistleblower, you know, he's, he's the dude that brought those videos out, but I, you know, I would ask him, why wasn't a tip going back through all of this stuff? I mean, obviously the government's been interested in these things for a long time, project blue book or whatever project, a tip, this blue book, that whatever. And, uh, you know, why are we only talking about 143 things in this report? You guys got 70 years of catching up to do, man. So what, what's holding you guys back? What's, what's going on? 143 is like two cities down South. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mike, was it our second episode where we did that? We did like a little like history, just a brief synopsis of the correlation between the U S government and the UFOs. Is that the one we did it on? I don't remember which episode it was, but I remember covering, um, Alan Hynek and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And 
and just the sheer number of of reports and and whatnot that there have been it's almost it's it's very hard to believe that there's not any credibility to correct all of it um right, you know right. to just chop it all up to like you swamp gas um yeah. i i don't know i feel like any anybody that you know at, there's problems with absolutes right anytime there's an absolute it's almost never completely true so yep. you gotta i don't know i i, I I, I like William said, I, I think I, I think I've jumped a little bit more on the bandwagon of like, I do think there's something out there now what that is or, you know, what it's capable of exactly or all that kind of stuff. I have no answer for it, right. um, but I do think there is something to, you know, like, obviously you guys had a personal uh, experience um, and just out of curiosity, you guys, you said this was in 2018, right? Yes, March, March, of March of 2018, which, by the way, is an interesting uh, correlation <laughs> that we have found is that it seems like March here in Michigan for UFOs, especially the triangles, seem to show up around March, around March 9th through the 23rd Third. Yeah. area time frame, which with a lot of the people that we've had on our podcast talking about their encounters with a triangle and possible abductions missing time and all that kind of stuff it was always in march which is really strange it is strange and their uh their teachers take the kids out on the field trip they're just stopping by here the <laughs> observation place they no, observe us like, a little bit it's like wait a second when is spring break now <laughs> right <laughs> so that's yeah. why they got rid of our spring break as real teachers so we would be in ah. working so they can come by and go on a field trip <laughs> Yeah, it's um, you know, you go into those numbers, and and that was one of the things I love doing is digging back. I know that people are like, "Why are we rehashing these old cases?" You know, within the community, within ufology as a whole. Right. But you have people that it's irregardless of age, and in my opinion, it, it kind of transcends that because you guys might be from a slightly different generation than us, than we are from each other. But we were on the same page when I stumbled across the 1966 incident. Yeah, I was blown away. I was like, "This is right in my own backyard, right?" And uh, virtually, you know, in Dexter there, but the idea that this stuff now we're kind of at a cool precipice of it because it's you go onto the CIA database there's a lot of disclosed information because of people that have you know put in the um the freedom of information act and they've they've gotten this stuff uh, declassified mm -hmm. and you're pulling the stuff out that proves that this has been going on so it's a really cool time for us to we're not no longer speculating we're saying hey here's a document that I don't care what they said back then here's the document that says this did indeed happen and we found with um, with Project Blue Book, Project Grudge, and I don't remember the very first one, what it was called, but they they had, um, oh, Michael, what was it? I don't remember the exact numbers, 23,000 or whatever it was, total cases. And of these, J. Allen Hyland had said that 23% of them were unexplainable. Well, then I guess turn over. That's a staggering amount. I remember we went to the numbers one time in like episode two, but we broke it down um, where he said, I think it was 11%. And then the U S military got a hold of it and they broke it down even further to 3%. Well, even at 3%, I remember Mike and I broke up the math. It was like one every week and a half. Wasn't it Mike? Yeah, or two it, was, it was, it was like, years? it was a, it was a pretty high number of, of cases that are unexplainable. I don't mm -hmm. think it was, I, I want to say it was somewhere in the 350, 400 ish well, range. I just, I just did a quick, 
mash of the numbers, 27,000, 3% of that, you're looking at 810 cases that were not explained. Yeah, right? that's, that's, that's right. a lot. That's a lot. And then we got really lot. weird too with the, the Condon committee was formed after this, right? To, to do this research, which was part of the end of the 19, you know, the swamp gas incident, right? right. When Congress finally says, okay, you got us. We're, we're going to put in this report. We're going to do the research for you. And they form a committee, which Jalen Hynek said, listen, I messed this up. He didn't kind of admit that he botched it and said, you guys need to form a, uh, an entity separate from the U.S. government, you know, to yeah. study this. And they still didn't do that. It still was through the U.S. military. And they tried to put up the funding. Nobody would take it. It was taboo to take it. So no, no academy was taking it. And then finally, when the, the uh, condon community gets together, they put in all these like steps and rules and regulations that said that you couldn't research anything unless it went through their findings. And they reduced the numbers way down, something like 35 or 40 cases. I mean, they threw everything out. Yeah. Um, and w- w- another thing that was weird, too, is during the time that Jalen Hylek was studying through Blue Book, he said the first couple of years, and I can't remember the guy the commander was running at the time, he said he genuinely was looking for answers. But then he got a new guy came in there, and I don't remember that gentleman's name either. I feel terrible for not knowing, but I don't remember his name at this time. Right. And he put in some rules and regulations that said that nobody uh, could discuss anything, military personnel, which is obvious, about any of this. They, they said that they could be um, they could be charged with a, with a what was it, Mike? Not like a court-martial, but similar to that. And beyond the military said that no uh, civilian would be allowed to discuss this. So somehow yourself say like Jalen Hynek wasn't in the military. He was contracted to them. If you were contracted in as a civilian, you were also supposed to keep your mouth shut about it. Yeah. So he, I I, if I remember correctly, there was a, a <clears throat> felony charge for wasn't a felony. I can't remember. Yeah, the, I think it was a felony charge for talking to me, about that's clear evidence that you, you had, you had a suppression of this information. You know, to me, I think that that's, it should be common knowledge for anybody who looks at it for a little that's bit. Right. We realize that that's the case, but it's weird that we're just now getting in the last couple of years and great. It's ramping up, but honestly it wasn't until like 2016 when the Nimitz and the Tic Tac incident and that kind of took place and Joe Rogan and all that and had Commander yeah. Fravor on. That was the real turning point for let's say the masses as it were. And now it's become a little less taboo to, you know, for your guys from your position, educators to be able to come out and talk about this because let's face this in the 60s, 70s and 80s, maybe even to the 90s. That wasn't something that you guys probably could have been able to do um, and have a career at the same time that that could have been controversial, to say the least. I, yeah, I that's, you know, that's stuff of the and they still do it to this day, which I've said this before, really ticks me off to no end. But whenever you had a news program come on and, and there was you know, the Phoenix lights or whatever, and the news comes on to talk about it. Do, 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 do. Here comes the X-Files music, right? (laughs) Immediately put that programming in your head of, Mm -hmm. of, okay, this is going to be kind of tongue in cheek. And the, you know, the anchors are grinning and making their little, you know, green, gray alien jokes and, you know, little green men from Mars and that kind of thing. And it's like, you are instantly just discrediting your own report about something that somebody went through somehow, some way, something happened to these people or this witness, or they saw something and you just mm-hmm. totally dismissed what they have to say. And, and people always say too, that there's no way they're like, there's no way that everybody could be in on this and keep this. If it was the case, well, look at the Phoenix lights, for instance, right? You had the governor of Arizona 
come yeah. out and do a press conference and be like, we have the alien and dressed up. He had somebody dressed up as an alien. Yep. Yeah. He himself later admitted and apologized saying, hey, myself and my son seen this. Yep. So he had that cognitive dissonance to be able to come out and make fun of it yep. openly knowing he had seen it. You know, that's how strong the hold was just in the public forum. And, and you're absolutely right. You hit on the idea. We, we always talk about that with the programming and things. You get into Project Mockingbird. And what, well, one of the, uh, Micah, what was the first thing you covered? You covered um, MK Ultra, mm-hmm. right? Which was a very devious thing. And this isn't something that's like, oh, that's maybe this is all declassified for 20 years. The American CIA entities within the CIA experimented on not only U.S. citizens, but Canadian citizens, citizens of South America, everywhere across the board. And then you roll into what happened with Project Mockingbird, where they started monitoring the mainstream media and at least suggesting or guiding them in their positions. But I truly think that they took a lot of what they discovered in those studies and realized that there are ways the human mind is such an enigma. And it just like, it fascinates me because I, I recognize at any point that we could program ourselves to believe something. And that's so scary. It's so it's such a bizarre thing to realize if I just absorb myself into something, I could convince myself that this is a thing. And so right. that, it, to me, they've really figured that out. And, and you, there was, we just, I just posted a song today to our group actually, and he was singing about just propaganda everywhere you look, whether it's food or any, it's just, well, you don't have to board. look far anymore. They've got people with the phones. Yeah. hundred percent walking zombies. You're, you're carrying, you're right. You, that is the walking dead. I mean, and unfortunately, you know, my wife and I being educators, it's like, it's a huge battle. These kids come in on their phones. I call them Joe Biden's secret service agents because <laughs> they hide their phones. But you can see the little white earbud with the wire. I walked up to one kid today. I said, so is Joe Biden OK? They're like, what, what are you talking about? I said, well, you're in the secret service, right? That's why you got that earbud and, and that wire going. You know, and then they start laughing. But I mean, what better way to take a young mind? You know, my mm-hmm. my one my one uh, chemistry teacher that works with me, he uh, was telling me that his son is the only boy in eighth grade at his school that does not have a cell phone. Every wow. other kid in eighth grade at that school has a cell phone. So instant programming i mean that's why they called television programming programming it was to create you know change your behaviors right and um i mean we can go down that rabbit hole too i love that stuff but well and the fact that you know the majority of them were virtual during 2020 so that cell phone was right next to them a year so now now trying to break them of that habit you know the the kids you can tell when they're on their phone because they stare at their crotch yeah, I mean, right. right. They like to hide them between. It's their like legs. if the lights are out, your face is illuminated. It's not your Chromebook. It's yeah. like <laughs> we know the lights coming from somewhere. Right. Uh, you got glowing testicles or something. Yeah. <laughs> right. Which, if you if you've been on that phone too much and carried it in your front pocket, you, you might know, have you might. Right. But I mean, it, it's it's constant, you know, back uh, me and my my friend were talking about this at work today, you know, back when the Internet was coming out, when we were kids, it was like, wow, there's going to be so much information for us to access. And it was like trying to learn everything that you can. It's like, mm-hmm. wow, we can look at stuff from other countries. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And you just 
taking stuff in and like, wow, this is amazing. Today, we've got TikTok, Snapchat, <laughs> Instagram, and social media. Yeah, That's where the kids' brains are. They're not mm-hmm. interested in learning anything. They're interested yeah. in performing on these things. I had girls today dancing in my classroom. I'm like, what are you guys doing? And I see the phone standing up on a table recording themselves trying to do a TikTok video. Like, uh, okay, mm-hmm. give me the phone. You know, you can have it at the end of school. But I shouldn't have to waste my time policing that kind of thing, you know. Yeah. And no, nobody should. The kids should be of enough mind that you're in school to learn. But what they're learning is how to do stupid things to put themselves on on video for thirty seconds to maybe get some likes that makes them feel good about themselves. And then when they don't get the likes, now they have self esteem issues. And then you can talk about like the the increased rates of teen suicide and the bullying that goes on not in the schools oh no the kids can barely talk to each other in school but online those kids can the really glow, sh- the, the, the glowing testicles grow yeah, large they, yeah that's true <laughs> it's true and they shred each other they just shred each yes. other on social media especially the girls the girls mm-hmm. fight via emotional and mental warfare and yeah. boys are still boys are still boys. They're they're, you know, the dummies, you know, they, <laughs> they are Someday, I mean, yeah. speaking <laughs> as one. Right. Speaking as one, you know, our brains don't go very far. Oh, video games. Let's go play basketball. Yeah. Uh, this, that and the other. Oh, she's kind of cute. OK. Uh, and and that, your and that's, mom. You're right. Right. Yeah. And your some mom. stupid mom joke or D's nuts <laughs> joke. I right? was say, I th- my wife calls me our fourth child, her fourth child for a reason. I mean, I, <laughs> what, what do they say? You're, you're almost, what is it? As a, as a, I think it's the average for you, or a person, but I know for a fact males, I think it's 27 or 28 before, before. we fully form the cognitive, dis- or not, the um, oh, frontal crap. lobe, the frontal Thank lobe. Thank you. Yeah. This cognitive distance is like my head. Yeah. But yeah, you, you look at that and it's. Girls are ask- much more advanced than boys are until about mm-hmm. that age. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, because they have to be because they're they are the the part of the species that is responsible from the time they, you know, have their first uh, you know menstrual cycle. They are what I'm ta- I'm a scientist. <laughs> I can talk about this stuff, but, She's but, but they, they are now <laughs> at, at 12, 13, 14 years old. They are now capable of bearing a child. That's responsibility. Yeah. <clears throat> they have to be ready for that just in case. So th- that's why they're much more advanced than just, you know, the, the dumb boys running around. I think he's confessing that he's my man child. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I'll advance. I'll, I'll, I'll agree. I'll agree. I'll be your man child, honey. You guys definitely had a point that I think is worth hitting on a little more, which is the idea that Mike and I had hit on this before that, um, you know, I, in my opinion, everything is a tool, almost every single thing. I, I don't think there's anything that's innately made or created that's just pure evil or pure good. It's all about how we utilize that tool. And the internet, when it first hit, oh my goodness, like you guys said, I mean, granted, we we were pretty sheltered. Um, <clears throat> I don't think we had our first computer with the internet actively working until like probably 2004, maybe somewhere in there, 2000, somewhere in there. Yeah, you know, the AOL, you know, the dial up. Oh, all that stuff. oh yeah. 
you couldn't be on the phone and the internet at the same time. I was like, my kids are never going to understand that concept. I still sometimes forget. I'm like, we couldn't be on the phone and the internet That's right. at the same time. You just want to find one of those those CDs <clears throat> that they used to send out for AOL. And just show them that. Every, every week True. you got, you either got those hard floppy, those little three and a half inch hard floppy mm. discs, or you got the whole like CD and it was like AOL, you know? Yep. Yeah. And everything took forever. Every that week? file what, thing. What? Okay, I don't. Just, I don't remember. What are you talking? Every week? Oh yeah, in in junk mail, you would end up with a. I mean, it was crazy. They were just sending out these discs by the millions to people to get you to join AOL. You know, yep. put the disc into your computer and turn on the modem. Beep. Boom, they beep. would they would offer it for ninety nine cents yeah, or free month or whatever. You know, and an hour and forty four minutes later, yeah. you might have it downloaded. Yeah. And all the while your mom's screaming because she can't get on the phone because you got yeah. the phone line tied up. But you're right back then the internet. I, I I think that was one of the things that didn't see coming. And I absolutely, as much as we are right now, if you're listening, utilizing the internet and it is still yep. has a chance, one has to say, looking at what the internet was, let's see, let's just take the year 2010. When you got on YouTube in 2010, it was phenomenal. You would research something or type in something and yeah. it, it would the algorithm would say oh you're interested in that and we just keep feeding you the same genre of mm-hmm. stuff now you can clearly see matter of fact i mean without getting too far in it I, i've seen where i've been unsubscribed to things i've had to go back and subscribe and i yep. didn't unsubscribe you know what i mean right oh yeah so, they unsubscribe you <clears throat> mm-hmm. and then you look at what facebook did when they took over you had tiktok you had uh, instagram and you had reddit and there's some other ones and they started buying these all up you know, they started merging it all into where everybody thinks they have these multiple options. And really, it's it's all one big, uh, you know, show that's ran by one person. So we always joke saying that people with the news or any of that stuff, you walk in a room and there's like six different windows and they think that they're picking the window that they want to look out and that they support that view because it looks better or whatever. And they don't realize that behind them is just this giant window that picked these six windows for them. So it's you're not really getting to. Uh, have a freedom of choice. And then the issue in that is, and I totally get it. It's a scary thought because it makes you at first, you seemed, I felt like a crazy person when I had to think like that. I said, well, wait a second. I sound like a crazy person saying, what if this has all been picked for me, right? What if this is all fake? And I understood that that seemed irrational until I started looking up the history of what had happened in relation to just say the UFO phenomenon, our history on how we've been taught about what took place in the, uh, in the country as a whole, as far as geology and all, and all of that, you start to realize mm-hmm. that there seems to be some sort of underlying control to all this. And I don't really understand that part of it yet. I'm not saying I, I have any sense of understanding of it, but I, I, I cannot d- deny that there's something there that seeks to make people in general ignorant. It's not even that we're stupid. We're just ignorant in this, in the sense, because if you knew this, if you just had an inkling about it, you'd start questioning so much more. And yeah. I think once that ball gets rolling, that's one of the things that you hit on the point of they need that 30 seconds of fame, right? It's all about going along with the flow because if you contradict the flow, you know, a, a, a real hero or trendsetter, generally speaking, had to contradict the flow of the, of the, that's of the right. stream mm-hmm. at some point. And that's not a fun, per- that's not a fun job. And yeah. it's so scary to be that person now and now you're just canceled. So it's, yeah. It's well, look at what they're doing to the kids, though, and see, they've got the audience that they want to to program. You know, I call I tell Michelle, it's the Pied Piper syndrome. 
you know, these cell phones in these little kids' hands because what they're doing is they're getting them addicted to these dopamine hits. You know, they get mm-hmm. a like or somebody likes their video. I mean, I, I I even fall prey to it when I look and see how many hits and downloads our podcast, you know, our recent podcast has gotten or whatever. I'm like, yeah. yes. And then I sit back and think and go, wait a minute. You know, it doesn't really matter. We're doing what we're doing because we're doing it. Went right, right back to teenager mode. <laughs> I did because it's that dopamine hit. Man-child. Oh, oh, thank you. <laughs> As I kick her chair. <laughs> I'll show you man child. Well, I'm going to kick you. The internet from our perspective, as far as looking like you said, looking things up, the internet itself is a wonderful thing for tools of knowledge. Mm-hmm. So if we're talking about the current generation that is so linked in with social media, it's social media that has stunted yeah. like the kids that we work with now, because in, and it it's has. not, absolutely, it's not just the, the likes and everything. They, they think that a lot of that is just reality. Yeah. They, they live in, they do, they live in a fantasy world where, you know, they, like I was explaining to my kids the other day about some of the last planes leaving Afghanistan and how there were people leaving that country and they were so desperate to leave. They were hanging on the outside of the airplanes and falling off to their death. They had no idea what was going on. Why? Because it wasn't on TikTok. It wasn't on Instagram. It wasn't, you know, Snapchat it, you know, so they had no their basis of reality is a fantasy world that's created by, you know, these, the Facebooks and everything out there, this fake reality. And then when real reality happens, they can't deal with it. Now you see the anxiety and this, that, and the other, because they don't know how to deal with reality. Their reality is watching a stupid video and Tide Pods and all this stuff. And, you know, what, what's this latest thing? I forgot what it's called. Vicious Licks or oh, Devious Licks, devious licks where there's, you know, the students are going around stealing the most craziest things that they can out of schools, like bathroom stall doors, uh, oh my God. desk, yeah. chairs. Well, you know. TikTok has, has blocked it, but Instagram still has it on there. <clears throat> right. So, but now we're looking at, at, at a, at a third party vendor to now police people's hmm. behaviors, which opens up a whole nother door. Mm-hmm. Right. So, but the whole thing is, is that, you know, you can call it a conspiracy theory or whatever. I know what I see from working with the kids. And to me, it's just a stealing of their attention, a dumbing them down. So they're more easily programmable. And it's mm-hmm. really all about marketing. How many ads can I get in front of your face within yeah. that half a second? And they, and then they learn from you. They look and see how long do you spend looking at something on your phone or on social media? I mean, we were talking uh, not too long ago when we were, we were mentioning something about some product or going somewhere or whatever and go on Facebook and Delta always pops up in my shows up in your feed. (laughs) Delta is always there. They're listening through your phones. Oh, a hundred percent. And yeah. I remember the first person that, and this was when I was like 18, maybe mm-hmm. I was at a party and this guy, I don't know what this guy was doing there. Cause we were all, we were all like teenagers and this <laughs> dude was probably in his probably fifties showed up. I think he was their weed dealer or something. I don't right, know at the time. Right. 
and then I didn't really know I was like too, you know, Christian, whatever is in church. And I didn't, I was like, Oh, people are doing drugs. Oh. But uh, <laughs> I didn't know who this guy was, but he gets there, man. He just starts going off. Oh man, big brother, big brother's listening. And I remember yeah. like in my head a little bit, I was like, because guys crazy yeah and yeah. then you find out about the patriot act and you find out all this stuff that's 100 percent. that is the that is what happened and it's... you look what they did to edward snowden mm-hmm. they made him an absolute yeah. criminal i mean i mean he he was uh what was he convicted of mike he was actually convicted of um oh what's it called was it espionage essentially like a terrorist yeah. idea. there's a term for uh when you go against your nation treason oh, treason thank you yeah he was considered a true you know like a treasonous act and all that happened with him was and he didn't even mean to he stumbled because the government is and most high you know security companies in general have a very compartmentalized way of, of working Absolutely. Right? the people don't yeah. know what's going on right but he got good enough by accident someone retired and they didn't fill his position he started covering for it and he just happened to start seeing two sides of the coin as it were going, well, wait a minute, here's what's really going on with what I'm doing. This is what's funneling to him. And he started putting pieces together. He, when he got stranded, when they, when they shut down his visa and, and pulled everything so he couldn't move anywhere, he just happened to be in Russia. But the story got spun that he ran to Russia. Right. You know, he, yeah. he did an interview with Joe Rogan. It was pretty boring, I'll be honest. Yeah. But it was, it was so educational. It was just the idea of he broke down that stuff that, listen, every, you guys remember when we used to get cell phones back in the day, you could take the battery rate out. Yeah. Now they say you still can with these. And I think there's a couple of ways you can look them up, but it's not easy. You know what I mean? It's not like you can just, and he was trying to point uh, out that even when you have to your phone, but my phone, I literally got to take the back glass off. Yes. Remove the battery, which mm-hmm. is held on by glue. And the chances <laughs> of me breaking that glass That's right. off is highly likely. Yeah. So yeah, it's <laughs> but, pretty much, it's not removable. You've always hit on that, Micah, saying that, especially when it came to politics, it's it's the idea of these echo chambers and people back in the day, you know, you used to have Walter Cronkite, I think his name was. Um, everybody's seen the same person is my point. They would see the same news anchor. They would hear the same news. And then they could have that discussion an educated discussion the next day. Even if they disagreed, they were basing their information off the same thing, at least. Now, right. one could say for sure, okay, that's a very controlled way and you're not wrong. But what's happened now is that it's become so disassociated from one another that they can't, there's not even conversations happening between demographics and different points of views, because all they see is their echo chamber and the people that support them and their beliefs and the algorithms continue to feed them that it doesn't ever question their, their point. And it, it's right. only further to push this divide. And that's one of the things we've always tried to push on our show is that that stuff that's going on, if we let it tear us apart, it will. But at the end of the day, we all have, no matter your political point of view we all have the same human basic needs and wants and desires and that should be what's important at the end of the day this other stuff that's going on we got to get back to the basics of understanding that they they really and truly work for us if we truly hold them accountable but we just the fact that we always call them our leaders and stuff versus right this is an employed person of from us to represent us you know the, we the people as a whole you know it's just those are one of the things that bother me and, and ronald reagan I believe it was Ronald Reagan in the 80s when he did away with the fairness doctrine yeah. and through the news broadcasting, which said, Hey, you've got to give it balanced time to each point. That's of view. Right. One of the biggest travesties that I think ever took place. Agreed. And in our generation, we didn't even know that that had happened. We just grew up in that. We didn't That's know. Right. And, um, you know, at least back then, my, I, our father was one of those people. He, he was a huge history buff and, he had, I remember bookshelves. You remember those bookshelves? Mike? He had bookshelves of just, you know, rows of books. And he'd read all these when they would come in, he'd read them and put them away. And um, people really from, I, I maybe would put you guys around the same age as what he was. 
you guys really knew what you knew, meaning you guys, we used to, you know, we always joke with him saying he was a walking encyclopedia, whereas we were starting to fade on that, right? Like we, we had things we'd read, but then it was like, well, if I don't know, I'll just Google it. That's it. Now it's gone to the next level where it's just, it's scary sometimes. Now, I find now, myself even doing it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Now you'll Google it and just look at the first response, even mm-hmm. though there's 10,000 responses for something. Or God forbid, there's a, uh, you Google something and there's a headline and it just so happens that they know what worldview you kind of lead toward. And that's the headline you'll get with the article. It's, uh, yeah, it's, I don't want to say it's conspiratorial, but I'm going to say it's the parapolitical type of things that are, are out there, you know, that, uh, you know, I'm in. You know, and that's another rabbit hole, too. I mean, you start talking about the the good old uh, Alex Jones kind of stuff, right? But like helicopters. Right. They're making the frogs him. gay. I forgot about him. Right. I mean, I didn't forget, but it's funny. I mean, the guy right. kind of disappeared. Right. He disappeared. But then you start, you know, seeing some things and you're like, man, he was talking about this five years ago. Wait a minute. Yeah. Wait a minute. And, and so, you know, uh, man, you could, you could go down that rabbit hole, like just crazy with the, the conspiracy, but I think it's all driven by, by power and money. Mm -hmm. It's, it's marketing and it's, uh, uh, a way it's a, the new quote unquote new economy, right. It's, uh, devastating to kids and from my standpoint when i feel sorry for these kids because i look out at them and i go what kind of job do you think you're gonna have hmm. you can't you can't do a basic fraction you don't understand what percent means uh that's scary you know right they can't read analog clocks it has to be digital you know that's unbelievable yes yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's you know and if they don't understand something it, it's onto the phone to look and mm. see what's the first thing they can find mm. instead of, you know, whatever happened to weighing different sources. Yeah. Right? I always like the, what time is it time for you to learn how to read an analog clock? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's I like mean, I got one on the back wall. There's back a there lot of history, <laughs> but there's a lot of history to that analog clock that, you know, even mm. when I was younger, wasn't taught. I mean, that goes back to, you know, understanding the, the, the rotation of the earth, you know, 24 Mm. hours a day, it goes back to the Zodiac that there's 12, you know, Zodiac. And you look at the cosmic clock that is constantly ticking and the the number numerology and stuff that it's all been buried. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's quite, quite amazing. I think one could boil it down to kind of what we always said our podcast was about a little bit, you know, podcast or critical thinkers is it's, it's critical thinking. It's challenging one's point of view. Like I yeah. seek to try and do that all the time where I understand that currently I have the position I have right now and I defend it with the facts or what my current understanding. But if I am presented with evidence that clearly is, is correct. And, and in that moment I realize, okay, I can either choose to be ignorant and just continue to reinforce my own false sense or further my education in that adopt that and, and move forward, then that should be the goal for everyone. But I, I really think it's, Micah, you've hit on this a lot where it's it's no longer the idea of being a critical thinker. It is simply, we need you to just be, you know, like those on another brick in the wall, as it were. It's just, we have well, a, a task for you to fill and you're yeah. going to. 
I mean, it's it's re- it's removing the individual. It's the individual no longer matters. It's it's groups. I and mean, if you if you well, really look at society, why would you why would you want to be a critical thinker if it takes you out of your comfort zone? See, it's it's all about being comfortable and where you're at. Why do I have to question anything when I'm having a good time on my phone? I'm having a good time on social media. What is there to question? Everything's fine, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, so in order to be a, complacent. Yeah. Well, in order to be a critical thinker, you have to, you know, understand that there's problems that you have to think through. And that's why I'm a scientist. That's why I like science and I like teaching it because exactly what you were saying, if new data appears in an experiment or something, the science changes. That's the way it's done. (laughs) Right. It sounds so bad, but I can't stand that that slogan. The science is settled right now. No, there Sometimes is no it bugs me. science. Like, exactly. Like, the there is not. science of science is that it it is continually evolving. We <laughs> like, we could we could make another some kind of a new type of piece of technology like the CERN super collider, maybe something mm. different, maybe one in space or whatever, and discover something new that rewrites the the fit, you know, the laws of physics. Right. Mm-hmm. Science changes. It's constantly evolving. And if you don't understand that, it's just like religion and science debates, mm-hmm. right? Why would you debate that? Because it doesn't fall into the realm of science. And people like who piss me off, like Bill Nye, who thought he was going to be the great you know, and any of these so-called scientists, I hate Bill Nye. I'm sorry, Bill. I used listening. to really respect him. I really <laughs> right. did. And then I started right. realizing the same thing you're saying is he never, he's, it became a propaganda tool. It's just like, uh, yes. who's the other one? Neil deGrasse Tyson. Neil Tyson is another yes. one. Yeah. And he's joking around about UFOs and things like that. Okay. There's a UFO report now from the government. Now what? Yeah. Right. But anyways, it's like, uh, um, yeah. Now I lost my train of thought. I'm but sorry. No, 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 no. It's it'll it'll come back. You know, it's old age happening. But it, it's Sometimes. just yeah. <laughs> what is that called? Sometimes sometimesisms or something like that. Sometimers, yeah. Sometimers, I'm thinking. But it, you know, but it's it is. It's it's the oh, it's the why is a scientist, if you understand how science is done, you know, it's not a a step-by-step process. Like we're taught in school about the scientific method. It's an ever evolving thing. Hmm. Why would you want to go and debate somebody about their religion in the first place? Cause you guys shouldn't even be in the same room when it comes to that, because you have no common frame to talk about. It's Hmm. like who can present the best argument to prove your point. Scientists, deal with measurements and uh, experiments. They're repeatable. You have some type of a, a imperial measurement and things that you can recreate and have other people try to recreate to, to uh, you know, support your claim at yeah. that time with the technology that you have to do these things. Now you're going to, you're going to try to say that science can prove or disprove God. We can't measure God. We can't make God appear. We can't make angels or ghosts appear or whatever when we need to do this kind of an an experiment. So if you can't do it, it's not science. If it's Mm -hmm. not science, that does not mean 
It does not mean that those things don't exist. We just don't know how to measure it yet. Right. So there's no, you know, these, these, these television people that let their egos run wild. And, you know, I have to deal with the kids coming in that have seen some of this stuff and the way they talk. And some of them come from very religious backgrounds. And they tell me, I don't believe in science. Hmm. Okay, well, if I give you a meter stick and I say measure that table and, and it's two meters long, do you believe in it now? Well, all I'm doing is measuring. I'm like, that's science. That's data. You just collected data on that table. Exactly. Right. So, yeah. but that's what now what they've been told, because why? Why is there a rift? Why does there have to, we're in 2021. There mm-hmm. should not be a rift between whether what's right religion or science i know religious scientists yeah. you know right your belief your philosophy your life your worldview your life view mm-hmm. is different than your objective view yeah. right of the objective world what you can measure what you can touch what you can see but okay then i guess there's no such thing as love well what are you talking about well mm. measure it yeah science can't measure it we can't measure consciousness. I guess we're not conscious. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's silly. It's, we're, we're getting much closer to not being conscious. Yeah. Well, quick, everybody grab your phones. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you, you hit on a great point too, that I know that like Mike and I, like I said, being raised religious, like we were and stuff, I was really into like, uh, you know, dinosaurs and all this Absolutely. stuff. And, and I remember hearing people, they would say like, Oh, it's, it's been a, uh, they, you know, use the carbon dating to put it at whatever amount of years old. And we'd constantly get that, you know, because how we were raised, they believed that the world was exactly 6,000 years old. Yeah. That was initially when we were pretty young, that was, you know, one of the, the congregations you're going to, that's what they taught. Yeah. Because, well, a day with God is roughly thousand years and God created the day, you know, in seven days and all this. So, well, they also like, went through and added up the, the lineages as well. Genealogy, right? Which you know, the Bible, if nothing else, and again, I always say, my beliefs are my beliefs, and everybody should be their beliefs, and I'm not pushing anybody. Mm -hmm. But I will tell you, the most religious texts, any of them, and it's not just the Bible, a lot of them are great for history. At at least when you have that genealogy laid out like that, and it's giving you exact years, that's a great measurement tool, right? And you are absolutely right. When they dated it back to Adam, they're going, well, we're only coming up with like, you know, I can't remember the exact number. It was just shy of seven thousand years or whatever, right? And so they're going, well, the, this didn't exist. Dinosaurs might have not been real, you know, all this stuff. And you, you have to start to say at a certain point, something's, something's missing here, right? Somebody's, you're not, you might all actually be right in your own stance, but we're, we're, there's a cog that we're missing. There's a piece of this puzzle we're not getting. And then you find out what happened with like way back in the day, but the Catholic church sat down and there was originally, I think it was 181 books to the, to the Bible. Maybe it was 141. And they yeah, were talking they, about like the Gnostic writings and things like that as well. Yeah. And they, and they went, went through, through and mm-hmm, started throwing things out, reshaped this thing to be all right. These are, you know, we were raised with the King James version. So 66 books to the Bible. And you find out, well, the Buddhist, I think have 81, I think it is or something like that. And then you have the Quran, you have all these different ones that, you know, had this effect where they essentially are kind of telling the same stories right and they all have like you said the great flood and different things Mm -hmm. but even if you wanted to go with the science and religion thing i always thought they kind of supported each other because in genesis it talks about how like every living thing came from the water at one point it says that in there and then you look at darwin's theory which neither here nor there but darwin himself was not necessarily the character that everybody boils him up to be i mean that guy had his own 
well interesting points of view right. on life <laughs> right but, well and it's important to know about darwin as well Dor- darwin's book and and things like that he was not talking about how life started on this planet his his thing was the origin of the species so mm-hmm. people stop at the word origin they don't take into account when this book was written and what was going on and stuff he was yeah. looking at how things change based upon their environment it had nothing to do with how life started on this planet and mm-hmm. as a matter of fact uh I, and i again that sometimes disease is kicking <laughs> in but uh it was a priest that came up with the whole big bang theory oh yeah i do remember briefly yeah. i cannot remember that priest's name either yeah oh my gosh it was I funny i was just looking at something about it today but yeah it was a it was a a priest that came up with the idea it was also a priest that came up with the whole punnett square you know mixing of genes when it came to breeding plants you know so science 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 started out as priestly sex or whatever Mm -hmm. um they were they were charged with figure out how god did this and that's that's where they started. It was the priest trying to figure out how did God create the world. Yeah, which is and, it's so funny that that history isn't taught. You know, you hit on the point earlier. You were born in nineteen seventy. You said right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You were one year removed from the nineteen. Well, I'm sorry, terrible math. There, three years <laughs> from the 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 nineteen. I'm sorry, four years. My God, four right. years removed 60, from the nineteen sixty six. You know what? Maybe it was six uh, years. <laughs> God's sake. <laughs> so four years removed from that incident and you had it's just it's gone it's just it was not in never your scope. mentioned right and it, it to me that's why i think when we start looking at the 1800s and some of the technology was going on early 1900s even yeah like if you ever looked up um oh my goodness something tom townsend brown thomas thompson brown i think his name was or something like that uh was 19 19- this- I think his name was Thomas Thompson Brown. He created anti-gravity in 1921 using Hmm. magnets and electricity. Now he went in and started working with the government and nobody really knows what happened to him after that. He kind of just absorbed into that. But the point being, there is some stuff. That's why I think with everything we see up there, it's not always just extraterrestrial. I do think we have terrestrial crafts here that have either been dug up from archaeological digs, I would think, or have perhaps crashed here and we have re you know back engineered it i do think that we have some of this technology i i I personally believe that but there's definitely an element there that we don't um that is extraterrestrial in my personal opinion well with the government coming out with this report it it, you know if you used to think that bob lazar was spinning a great tale (laughs) and maybe he he was Mm -hmm. but it sure does lend a lot more credibility to his you know the government's working on backward you know engineering of craft and like you said i think he had mentioned that he believed or he was given some information because they kept everything very much compartmentalized um uh that uh these one of them was dug up in some type of an archaeological dig yeah that's what he said because it was like Thousands 13 crafts, right? Yeah. He, he he yeah, like so, some people. number. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and that's where I always wonder too, with like, say, let's look at Graham Hancock's uh, uh, 
hypothesis on us being this, this species with amnesia, right? Yep. And that if you look at America before and you see these different massive megalithic structures that exist yep. around the world, one that would lend a little more credence to, because one would have to ask, all right, if we have our history wrong, why? Why are you so opposed to, to Graham Hancock's point of view or anybody that's challenging that's right. this main way of how it happened and the evolutionary chain as we know it? And I think that would would, would flip everything on its head in a sense if they are at these sites you know parts of cairo egypt and stuff where we are just not allowed i mean you were briefly talking about the cost that it would be to go there for a couple days oh yeah yeah james is putting on a a trip in 2022 yeah and the the cost it's you know (laughs) uh but you're you're absolutely right um not only in my estimation not only are we a, a species with amnesia but we're a species that that has amnesia and certain people for whatever reason keep making us have this amnesia over and over mm-hmm. and my question is what is there to gain by being these gatekeepers of this fraudulent information are you all just very big frauds that say you're doing archaeology and, and we're dipping into the ancient technology stuff now but uh, the best you could come up with are some of these cockamamie stories about how the pyramids were built and actually how old they are, or how, how old the Sphinx is. When every person that has any inkling of understanding or studying how old the Sphinx is and how old these things are, these were not done by copper chisels and mm-hmm. slate, quote unquote, slaves moving, you know, 2.1 million blocks to build just the 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 second pyramid you know into place you know there not to mention how heavy some of those blocks were absolutely thousands of pounds that you just like you could just hoist up with with <laughs> sheer brute force of a human yeah. like it's yeah. it's almost I mean impossible. you can you can, I'm going to, I'm going to say that you can with, with the right engineering and stuff, create counterweights and things, but you're talking, sure, but you're like, talking a structure that was the tallest tall structure. Uh, I can't remember, but it was the tallest structure in the world until they mm-hmm. built the Eiffel tower. Right. And then the Eiffel tower became the tallest structure yeah. when that was <clears> completed. I want to say it's like 400 and, and 70 some odd feet it depends on where you measure the great pyramid from either the base or what they call i think the sockle so the great pyramid and all the pyramids are actually sitting on a platform which then goes down a little bit further because Mm -hmm. they were all it was all encased with a casing stone which were smooth that had fallen off or whatever but there's you know the 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 what is it? The stone of the pregnant woman in Baalbek, I think in Lebanon, this Mm. thing is like 2,200 tons or some ridiculous number. And it's still sticking out of the ground. Whatever happened, they stopped work on it. Yeah. There's the obelisk in, in Egypt where it looks like they were not carved. They were carving out the bottom of this obelisk. It looks like it might've broke when they were carving it yet they're scoop marks it's like this weird scooping machine was scooping away the rocks underneath from underneath the obelisk like they were going to just lift it right out using copper 
Yeah, right. And Copper bronze. chisels and pounding Pumpkin. stones, right? <laughs> and uh and and just a lot of brute force by whipping those slaves to move these these hundreds of thousands of tons. It makes no sense. Which they uh, I think proven. I think the biggest part that doesn't make sense is how how perfectly put together those stones are and how much you know precision would have to be in place yeah you just i if if you go by the the understanding that they had the technology we believe them to have had it's darn close to impossible to have gotten that precise like and there seems to be so much hidden there still like you look at the technology with echo echolocation i believe it's called now or whatever it's it's lidar thank you yeah um when, when they've flown over now and they've said listen with the great well, one of the sphinxes there when we, they, that was excavated there's right chambers there, right? under the sphinx 100 miles one of them when they were saying over 100 and something uh, he was 50 feet down or whatever it was but they're showing there's massive city light chambers not yeah. not a not a one location they're saying listen there's there's an entire city down there and that isn't the only place that that's happened that seems to be around the world that's around the world um, yeah amazon uh, mm, one of the mm-hmm. things I think it was Grant Hancock that was talking about this was that in the Amazon, now that they've been, you know, it, it's a shame that they're basically clear cutting a lot of this, you know, the Amazon rainforest for, you know, wood to create for their ever expanding population and stuff. But one of the good things that's coming out of it is they're discovering these lost cities. Massive. They're massive. <laughs> massive. Yeah, And it's like, there wasn't just a few humans running around before the last ice age. This mm-hmm. place was populated. I mean, yeah. it, it absolutely was. And I think one of the things, and it goes probably to the whole religion thing is that, and, and this is just my speculation, but I think the reason we have these gatekeepers and, and, and these kind of people that are trying to suppress the information about what really happened before the last ice age is because if they say there was this huge flood that happened 12.6 thousand years ago and there were survivors that continued now to write these stories and it's not a myth anymore now people would look at these books and these texts and these writings and go oh now always in the back of my head i always thought these were myths and they really mm-hmm. weren't real you know, whatever religion it is you're following, all of them talk about this. Yeah. Um, what else in here is true then, guys? Mm-hmm. Because now I'm casting doubt on what you told me in this book is not fictional. Yeah. It's historical. Now, yeah. what do you do with that? Right. And so I think that was a big way to. Uh, again, I, humans always want to control other humans. I mean, it seems like that's been the, the history, you know, the, the elite few, the priest class, the, Mm -hmm. the rich and powerful, the 1% and we're all just serfs and it's better just to keep them numb and comfortable, you know, as long as they're doing work for us, Yeah. but they, they've created this elaborate hoax of a history that is falling apart because of people like you on the internet people like johanna james and mm-hmm. um ben from uncharted x and yep. all these guys that are going to these places with not any kind of uh 
pedigree behind their name. They're just interested and they're seeing with their own eyes, the, the core drills. Yeah. We just are able to do that because we had time diamond tip drill technology now, but they mm-hmm. were drilling these cores, solid, you know, beautiful round holes through these hard granite rock. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. And it doesn't make sense that they, how, how did they make that? And they're, they never answered because they don't know. And it's, so it's a couple things. They want to control the narrative and they don't want to show that they don't know something because if you go on any of these tours and you go to these places and even out West and you question them, they get very annoyed because they don't want to show you that they don't know. They just want to read the script, get their paycheck and move on. But absolutely. I, I, I am thoroughly convinced now with the people that I've talked to and the things that I've studied and stuff on the ancient technology type of thing. They had technology a lot more advanced than we give them credit for. Am I saying they had anti-gravity and cars and all this? No, I'm not. Hmm. But they had an understanding of physics. They had an understanding of geology. Uh, They had an understanding of metals. Um, And I'm, I'm on the fence, but I'm thinking that a lot of these pyramids, you know, they never found any body in the pyramid. They keep on saying it's a tomb in in any of the pyramids. They keep saying it was tombs. I'm going more toward the line that these were some type of a harmonizing machine. Yeah. That they were some type of a power plant or some way that they were generating energy or something from the earth. So and I haven't thought too much further than that about it, but because these things, they look like machines. Yeah. They look like they look like a, a complex, even though simplest simplistic, they seem like they were some type of a machine or they're, they're navigational markers. Because if you do all the math about how the pyramid is aligned to true yeah. North and the size, mm-hmm. and if you scale it up, Holy crap. If you scale up, the the great pyramid of giza like one to forty two thousand i think it is or forty two thousand three hundred is a very specific scale you get mm-hmm. the exact measurement of the northern hemisphere of the planet yep and then they went like further though remember they were like it was the distance between us and the moon times by itself was the distance from us to the sun like there was all these weird correlations yep. that at a certain point you're like and it gets back to that number nine that my wife always teases me about. Uh, I'll you it's, think. it's 108. It's 108. And one plus zero plus eight is nine. Now the time that we're, uh, we often wake up 333. Yes. Mm. I, I, I wake up it's just the other night. I woke up straight out of bed feeling completely refreshed. Like, oh, it's time to get up. 333. 333. We got into this discussion with Guy Merritt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, about the pyramids uh, or the triangles and everything. Yeah. It was three thirty-three. What time folks were waking up? And so, yeah, I, I, I'm now taking pictures on my phone every time I wake Just up in the middle it. of the night to track it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other the night, strongest? two nights ago, I woke up at three fourteen. What's okay? What's three one four? Three point one four is pi. Oh, pi. <laughs> Why? You know. <laughs> bizarre but okay, three fine. isn't that the most powerful or the strongest shape in in 
supposedly of our understanding of, of like the universe as a whole isn't it the, the three isn't that the, the most powerful well the three formation? represents like the holy trinity you know i know that they there's that kind of a supernatural uh, paranormal aspect to the three it's also the true witching hour it's midnight's mm-hmm. not the witching hour yeah Three well, three a.m. three thirty is like the witching hour. Three thirty-three, and in literature, it's often used in motif as far as things happening in threes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know, you always joke around. That's I mean, true. Three it's, weddings, it's three funerals, three babies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. It's like, oh, did you see that so and so died today? Yep. Who are the next two going to be? You know what mm. always happens in threes. Yep. You know, and we just kind of throw that about, like you know, very nonchalantly but it goes to the threes it, it's the three six nine uh kind of numerology that that goes on and i kind of i like math so i like playing around with the geometry and the you know the sacred geometry i'm digging into more and more sacred and geometry it, is amazing <laughs> it, it, it's it's crazy and again i took geometry in high school what did i learn I learned about parallel lines and this, that, and the other. You know how much better I would have been at geometry if my teacher was sitting there telling me, okay, look at the num, look at the angle size of a hexagon. Notice how it all adds up to nine, right? It's like I teach my kids to this day in, in high school. If you ever want to know if you've done a math problem where you multiplied anything by nine, just take your results and add up all the numbers. You should end up back at nine. Nine times two is 18. One plus eight is nine. Three times nine is 27. Two plus seven is nine, right? It, it, Mm. anything you multiply by nine should equal nine in the end. So it's a good way to, you know, check, but that's a very powerful number to be able to do something like that. Yeah. yeah, I, I, I that, I'm sorry, Micah. <laughs> I interrupt you. Go ahead, Micah. I, I, I guess I, I, I've always understood that. I just never thought about it in that way. Um, and that's that's a very strange way of of like that's actually kind of mind boggling a little bit. It is, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah, that's that is strange. I'm, I'm I'm trying to go through a bunch of numbers in my head right now. Is like, this <laughs> is this the moment in time that we say you're welcome? Yeah. <laughs> speaking, oh, of, um, speaking of Michigan history, have you guys ever um, looked in too much of the uh, the you know we all know the Bermuda Triangle, right? Again, right. we mentioned three pointed systems and stuff. And now I'd be curious to look up the 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 Michigan Triangle, math, but the Michigan Triangle. Do you yes. guys ever up? Yeah, I've I've started digging into it. I'm trying to find some some experts on it that want to come on and and talk about it. It's uh, it's very fascinating kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, ships that have disappeared, aircraft yeah. that have disappeared, just like the Bermuda Triangle. And it's hard to pinpoint. I've had some people tell me that it's the Lake Superior area up north. But most of what I've found is that it's someplace around in Lake Michigan, off the west coast of of Michigan, into Lake Michigan toward Chicago area, and then up north and away, which is interesting to me because I know in 1994, when people here in southeast Michigan were having lots of uh, flying triangle encounters there was a ufo flap that was going on 
on the west side of the state over Lake Michigan in that area where people were reporting a lot of UFO activity in 94 over Lake Michigan in 1994. Yeah. So, uh, very fascinating stuff. I would like to, I would like to learn more about that. Absolutely. There's actually a, um, the, the thing that blew me, blew my mind, but first of all, I think they said something like, uh, oh my gosh, I can't, I had it up for a second. I pulled up just setting it around. Yeah, right here. So for the past few centuries, there have been between 6,000 and 8,000 ships sunk at the bottom of the Great Lakes with yeah. around 30,000 lives lost. Some of these mysteriously disappeared without a trace, one of them being Thomas Hume. And they go into different like accounts of this stuff where people just vanished off the ship. You know, like the one where the captain just went into rest because he navigated through you know, some of the ice throughout the night yep. they're coming into port and he's just gone. There was one where these massive, what they said were icebergs in the sky were raining down ice on them. And then there was damage to their ship as they came in. So there's very strange, like phenomenon. Um, yep. The incident that happened over the uh, O'Hara airport over yep. in Chicago that involved the Michigan triangle, but we were covering it because of a gentleman named, um, Oh my goodness, Michael, what was his name? Steven Kabaki. Was that his name? I think his name was Stephen Kabaki, if, I, if I'm not Sorry, mistaken. I, I remember talking to Stephen, but I don't... Uh... Well, we didn't talk to him. We covered his case. He was a college student that I think went to Hope, William, William um, Mary, or Hope off the Yeah, are you sure, are you sure that wasn't the, the Yeti one? No, that wasn't the Yeti one. No, he, he was a cross-country skier. He was in college there. And he was going out for a ski trip. You know, he was going to do, he was, you know, cross country. He was going to go out at a nightly ski. Yeah. The guy that disappeared for, yeah. What was it like a few weeks or something 15 like that? months. Yeah. He disappeared for 15 months and then woke up in a, uh, a cornfield in Pennsylvania, I think it was. Yeah. And it was it, to this day, he's never outside of the original, like little bit of snippet they gave in that article. He's never talked about it. He went on to be a very successful psychologist and wrote some books on some stuff, but He's never spoken about what happened. And he, he claimed he could not remember, even though he had like a map on him and he had like a, a shirt from running um, a Wisconsin marathon and he had money in his pocket, new shoes, like something happened, yeah. you know? And, and what was weird is when they, when they tried to find him, when they brought up the dogs to search for him, they found his spot. They seen his like, you know, his path from his skis and his, and his, uh, his poles. And they said it stopped. It, he had stuck his skis, you know, took, stepped out of his, uh, out of the, um, yep. oh, I guess they're shoes, ski shoes or whatever. I don't know yeah. what it's called. I'm like, what are the, what are the right names? Snow I like that's the right term. Snow was shoes. he using snowshoes? No, he was skiing. So he okay. stepped out of his skis. I don't know. Right. What the term. <laughs> and he put, he left his poles there and he walked like 50, 55 yards out onto the ice. And then his shoe, his prints just stopped. They lost him there. And they searched hmm. this area. They couldn't find anything. And then at the end of the day, when they're calling off the search, the dogs couldn't find it. And they, you know, push back the snow on the ice thinking maybe he fell through, you know, even though this was like the middle of the winter and they, they tried to limit all these options. They're coming back where they had initially started. And there's his backpack, which they said they had searched that area multiple times. So now you're getting into the kind of like missing 411 deal where you're saying, Hey, right. we've been through here and there's nothing here. And all of a sudden now there's evidence again. But what we found while covering that story, because that was an intriguing one in and of itself, was this other thing that I think is fascinating, which is that in Michigan, uh, there is actually a Stonehenge. Have you seen this? Oh, that's uh, under the water. That's under the water in Michigan. Yeah. And like, didn't they find like what they think may be a carving or something of like a mastodon on one of the stones, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. What's or weird is they said, maybe. 
Yeah, it was a, a mastodon because it was weird yeah. because they said that they think the stones, give or take, they're estimating to be 9,000 years old. And mastodon supposedly went out a thousand years prior to that. I think it was 10,000 yeah, years about, ago. Give or take. About 12,600 at the end of the last ice age, they were pretty much wiped out instantaneously. Right. And I, yep. I, I think it was, um, yeah, in 2007, it says in here. So they found it in 2007 at a depth of 12 meters in Lake Michigan, yeah. USA. And obviously they're keeping this location a secret right now because they oh, say it meters. has to do with. That's not very far. That's not very far. And they had a picture of it. I don't know if I can, if I can share my screen. I'm trying to remember with Zoom. Are you able to share a screen or not? So I can show yeah. you guys. Yep. Uh, I think I, okay. I think I sent in. If you, if you scroll down, you'll see screen share. Button. Oh yeah, it's there, but I think uh, it says the host disabled participant screen sharing. So I think you might have oh. to change that and then I can do it. Okay. But to me, I mean, I know they're saying that they're protecting this right now because they say they don't want um, obviously tourists there and it, and it has to yeah. be something about some sacred um, American native ground. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's the story and that could be accurate, but still sometimes I'm be like, able to share now. Oh yeah. Perfect. Here we go. So I don't know if this will pull up for you guys now or not, but that's, that's the location and I mean, yeah. to me, that's fascinating. That's like, a, I just, you know, Lake Michigan. Yeah. Unbelievable. And yeah, to your point, what you were talking about earlier with the, uh, the Mastodon uh, there, I think it's, well, maybe. Is that the here. guy floating right next to it, pointing to it? Scroll down a little bit. Oh yeah. Yeah. They did have, you're right. Here you go. Yes. Right, right there. Yeah. Yep. Now it could be that could be a form of pareidolia because yeah, your brain say, wants go? to make right your your <laughs> yeah. your mind wants to make that pattern into something recognizable. Now that could be, but uh, and then of course they outline it for you, you know. Right. But it's yeah, possible. I would say just looking at the picture itself, I wouldn't pick out. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't know. No. Wouldn't yeah, that's true. You could start. maybe see a face. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like where are the clouds? Let's let's make elephants exactly. out of the clouds. I mean, but yeah. this in and of itself, though, that's, that's undeniable. That's different. Yeah, that's, that's a different story. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's standing pillars in, in mm-hmm. an area of flat, sandy bottom of the lake. There. Yeah. Which I'm trying to remember their timeline with us. And forgive me, but we were supposed to be under an iceberg at that time, right? 10,000 uh, years ago in Michigan? No, we that would have been 12,000 years ago. So okay, the ice, so this the, would have been after. Yeah, okay. the ice, if the compact, uh, the comet impact theory is correct, the the ice was obliterated and gone uh, after about 12,600 years ago. Okay. So that would have left, you know, a few thousand years for, for Native people to do that work. Hmm. Um, now that water would have to have been not there. Right. Correct. That, right. So, you know, it really, it, it's, this really was all a swamp, right. In the right. 18, early 1800s, they had to drain the swamp literally yeah. as it were. I mean, so that, that's, that's strange. Like I said, again, there's just this, this timeline stuff that gets weird to me. That's why I think like with the, um, I know it's a bit of a different twist, but that's where like Mike and I, like he's always said, if I can't feel touch or smell it, right. I'm probably not going to believe that. that. I mean, am I wrong in saying that? Mike, is it kind of your perspective generally? Uh, yes, no. I He's mean, coming I... around. He's coming around. Whereas, <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm open to the idea. As crazy as it is, I guess. But to me, I, like, I, I, I love the idea of like, um, 
okay we were always taught that the evolutionary chain is very clean right like it's, we were it was this and then there's us and then blah 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 and we're good but i always yeah. thought it's got to be messy there's no way that it it was just this clean thing and that's why i always feel like if you wanted to get out there with you know let's say a form of um neanderthal or something that it was much bigger than us prior well technically they were smaller but whatever but they were bigger somehow too at the same time at least they well, go back at and least forth in on the that. fossil record at least in the fossil <clears throat> record of what's been recovered we mm-hmm. are formulating based on our uh, on whoever's formulating based on their life experience themselves what they have found from you know a leg bone a femur yes. or a couple pieces of a pinky finger Right. So, and then they're constructing, they're constructing history. And I, this is where I go conspiratorial. They're constructing history to fit a certain narrative. And they're afraid to say, we've got this. We don't know. Mm -hmm. No, what they're saying is we've got this. This is what we think. This is true. And you guys just follow right along. You don't need to go away, little man. We don't, you know, you don't need to be bothered with this. We got this. You know, if we tell you Mm -hmm. that the pyramids were tombs, they were tombs. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Even though, like you said, there's clear evidence that there's not. And that's why I think that if, if anybody's into Bigfoot and stuff, I always say, if it is a real being, and I, I don't, I suppose I'm not like completely closed off to it. I think there's a chance. I'm open to the idea that perhaps somehow there was some sort of evolutionary break off from what we are as humanity. And in, in, in my mind, why couldn't it be that? Why couldn't it have been this thing that continued on as it were yeah. somehow some survived? I mean, take about this for just a second and going back to your talking about the ice age and how there seems to be this disconnect of there seemed to have been an advanced civilization here clearly prior yep. to what we know as humanity right now primatologists all agree that i think it's the orangutan i can't remember the type of monkey and another type of chimpanzee are all going through their stone age like they're starting to use tools they're collecting their tools they're keeping them in spaces they're actually using fishing poles and spears they're doing this independently from being taught in nature right so with that being said was there a point when we were the chimps as it were entering the stone age in whatever the atlanteans or whatever you want to call them where we're at right now where we're gearing up to go to mars so i've always wondered like is this been a repeating cycle of, of life as it were that somehow some group advances enough to move on. And then the ones that are coming along that evolved somehow are going, what is this here? And we're, I don't know. I mean, maybe that's well, just, cool, but no, just I, I think I, I'm, I see where you're going with that. And I, I agree because in my mind's eye is that, life is a universal constant so in other Mm -hmm. words if life can appear on a planet in whatever shape or form it's going to so you know we're not we're not a a truly a a true being of evolution ourselves in our present states with the current different races and you know all of this stuff we are survivors we are the ancestors of survivors of a huge cataclysm where Mm. there was probably not very many of us left. And science even talks about going back further than the last ice age, going back almost 60,000 years where there was some type of a huge event that involved a lot of volcanoes erupting where there was an estimated five to 10,000 humans left on this whole planet 
in South, somewhere in the area of South Africa, they were able to survive. That's it. So people then had to come from that, you know, that survival group and scientists will, they'll tell you this. I mean, it's in documentaries. They know this, they, they can trace our genetics that we all have a common ancestor of humans to Mm -hmm. about 10,000 people that were the only ones left alive. Now that's homo sapien, but there could have been Neanderthal that survived too, or whatever. If there was other species of homo sapien that might've been around at the same time, I'm not saying that there wasn't, I mean, and again, it depends on what timeline you want to follow, but think about that. So from, you know, 70,000 years ago, I think that's the number they kind of put at this, where there was this huge extinction event and humans were almost gone. Um, now you had from that time frame for humans to reboot for another 60,000 years and mm-hmm. spread out from Africa to where we are. But then we get another cataclysm, the ending of the last ice age. Yeah. So they, I mean, look at how many advances we've made in the last couple hundred years. Mm-hmm. It's insane. So you mean to tell me that humans now they're extending our, our genealogy used to be 200,000 years. Now I think they're getting closer to humans have been around for almost a million years in our current form, same brain size, everything homo sapien. Yeah. Uh, you mean to tell me that, we were running around in butt flaps for 900,000 years and we didn't advance to anything just recently. Now, again, I'm not talking about cars and stuff, but when you look at that time frame, hmm. we did this in 200 years, the industrial revolution and all that. We did this much yeah. in just this little bit of time. And our brains can't even comprehend what it would be like to be a thousand years old what mm-hmm. that even means because we we're not very good with that time thing. Yeah. You mean to tell me that humans same brain size and everything were not more advanced. They didn't advance themselves at all. The spear was their, their happy moment. Nobody, <laughs> right. Nobody decided, Hey, look at this. This strange piece of volcanic glass is capturing sunlight mm-hmm. hmm. and, and glowing. Uh, you, you know, it fire the wheel, you know, all of this kind of stuff. Come on. You know, yeah. it, it, it make again, it's one of those things that makes no sense to me. And then my big thing is I want, I'm like a two-year-old. Why would you do that? What is the point of doing that? Mm-hmm. You know, to tell people this strange history that we've only been a modern, a modern species within the last, you know, 150 years since the, the, what the, what was the one that we always learned the cotton gin, you know, really kicked oh, off the, yeah, that was like, the really kicked revolution. off the industrial revolution. Oh, come on. Yeah. Come on. You know, so I don't know. I don't you know why. You could almost be hard pressed to say that from 19, you could almost be pressed to say that we've accomplished in the past 30 years, what we did in all of, the hundred years prior. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's gotten so fast and so rapid that 
I mean, the AI stuff is, it's, it's, it could be either, again, it's going to be a tool. It's either going to be the most phenomenal thing that we ever have as a species or the, the, in a sense, downfall. <laughs> I mean, I really feel like it's like, it's, it could go either way. It's about how it's going to be utilized. Well, and, if we uh, keep dumbing ourselves down with, with, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, what, what was it that I used to say a long time ago? Technology is, is a great servant, but a horrible man, a horrible master. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right. So use it for what it is. It's a tool. It's a, you know, good for communication and stuff, but it should not be your life. Yeah. You know, and uh, I think too many people get wrapped up in that and then they believe whatever they see on their little magic black screens that pop mm-hmm. up. And so. there seems to be, and again, not to get all like, you know, whatever this right exposure might could be like, all right, but like get all woo with it or whatever. But right. I, I truly believe in this connecting with earth and, and, and whatever it is, I'm not saying understand it, but the, the idea of consciousness going out and grounding with earth, uh, whether it be your feet or just being in nature. And it's so about funny. structures like the pyramid. What exactly. greater, what greater way, right. What greater way, not only just seeing them, but actually creating a physical manifestation of something so large and heavy that it's, it's not only from the earth, it's connected right back Mm -hmm. to the earth. There's, there's something there, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. it's, uh, yeah. And and we see this all over the place. I'm just like looking at my notes, what I wanted to talk to you guys about, and we're (laughs) all over the place, like (laughs) like Peru. No, it's, it's fine, but it's like Peru, you know, South America, those megalithic structures down there where people were supposedly carrying rocks from one quarry at the top of a mountain down through a valley and up 10,000 feet to another place where then they put the rocks, you know, the rocks were not good enough on that vat on that mountain across the valley over there. They had to dig them up tons of, of, of blocks and somehow transport them down a mountain and then back up. Cause you know, they wanted the terrace over here instead of over there. It, it, it makes, you know, no, come on. The perfect 90 degree angle cuts of those H blocks and mm-hmm. come on, you know? Yeah. What were you going to say, Mike? I'm sorry. Well, I said, cause why not? Oh, cause right. why not? I mean, yeah. Okay. <laughs> if you're working with stone age tools, why <clears throat> would you not want to take a bunch of rocks from one mountain and carry it down into a valley and up another mountain. I mean, I would, it makes sense to me. Right. Right. You know, burning all those extra, maybe that's what it was. It was the new workout Workout. weight loss. Probably charge people subscriptions every month. (laughs) Exactly. And that's where it gets weird too, where I, uh, again, feeling like that there was a hand in our, you want to call it the gatekeepers, aliens, whatever you might want to call it. It feels like there was something here, at least helping or had helped at certain points. And then, you know, you look what the Mayans did and Hollywood just said, like, I can't remember the name of the temple, but they sacrificed in three days, like a hundred thousand people at this place. I can't remember the, for life, I mean the name of it. Yeah. But it was all in the name of these, this God that they were worshiping. And it always makes me wonder, like, because Johanna James, I think she brought this up when she was on with you guys. She said, think about it. Nowadays, if there was a, cl- a cataclysmic event, you or I or any of us, just with a basic, some, you know, understanding of science, numbers, oh, yeah. and a couple other things. If we went somewhere into some island where they're just running the old school of way of living off the land, 
we would appear as gods to them because we showed up on a boat or we showed up yeah. on a craft and we had this advanced knowledge because we knew how to make a number and also math is like magic until you understand it. I mean, That's it right. kind of, it, it, it helps right. you predict the future. So you would appear as a god and then there was this legend would be passed down through time about That's right. the great Wayne that showed up on a boat and then they're sacrificing people because the <laughs> god Wayne will be mad if, you know, and it's like every <laughs> once in a while that stuff makes sense to me. I'm like, yeah, I could see how, because we as people love telling stories. Well, if, if the great Wayne shows up at one of these islands, I will tell you, I will not be carrying no handbag. <laughs> right because isn't that what graham hancock says all the time you know if you look at the statues in gobekli tepe and you look at the ones like mm-hmm. you know in central america you know you always see that and he says they're a handbag and they're probably carrying tools or something no i'm gonna have a backpack come on man. that's right then i'll be able to say it was a jetpack you were flying around the world right that's right that's so <laughs> oh man yeah that's right so all right. Well, what, I wanted to ask you guys, what were your what were your thoughts on that UFO report when it finally came out in June? Well, I'll let Mike go first. Mike, I don't know. Do you remember too much? I but didn't. It was didn't nine pages. It. Didn't read it. <laughs> oh, OK. <laughs> I, I would say I have two feelings on it. Uh, one was I 100 percent did rip on it a little bit and everybody and their brother and their sister's mother's cousins covered it. Yep. So I didn't cover it a lot. I did like a brief little thing. Matter of fact, I think two episodes back for us i did like a brief like 10 minute thing i was first learning how to do some stuff some uh, software and i hopped on i was just talking until a guest came on but i will say this was the preliminary report they purposely released this to congress while they were were, um on recess or that was the day of them going to recess they didn't come back till just what a couple weeks ago here right yep so the this was the preliminary report i believe it might have been nine or 16 pages or whatever whatever it was there is rumors that there was an actual 480 something page document that is the full length story behind all of this, as well as I believe 22 different videos that were shown to select cabinet members that said that, listen, this was everything we've ever seen in sci-fi and more. Um, and that may be the case. I do think that it is what it is. It is the preliminary report. I think it. On its face value, even though it was rather disappointing to those that are experiencing, you know, actual experiencers, people that we know that are, you know, say maybe someone like Terry Lovelace, who's had this experience and said, I've dealt with this being and I'm still dealing with these things. Rather disappointing, right? Because he's dealing with a lot more. But for your everyday person who's just not really into this stuff, that was kind of like the first major statement the United States had made on it since 1969. Yeah. When, when the UFO disclosure cover up thing happened here in Michigan. So, in a sense, that was historic, no matter what. Um, I do think that what I am worried about a little bit, and this is what I love that Ben and Joe do, is that they bring on people that are experiencers, people you won't even know of, right? They, they get some big name guests too. They had Lou Elizondo yeah. on and stuff. But you you have people that are every day, no less than Lou or no less than the big names out there that are experiencing this stuff. And I believe that as a collective conscious, the answers seem to lay there were all these little pieces of the puzzle and I am a little concerned with how mainstream it's coming. I know it sounds so bad to say because we all wanted that, but it's it, there's this weird part to me that's like, careful just, what you wish for. Yeah, something's off with it. Something I, I is feel off. like they're yeah. striving for the control. I I just feel like our government has never let you know, Michael. What do you always say? Never let a good um, uh, good crisis uh, go to waste. Yeah. 
Never let exactly. go to waste. I'm not yeah. saying this is a crisis, but the word threat is definitely being pushed here a lot. And it could be that I, yeah. I don't, we don't know. And, well, and it's definitely but, a, a, an issue of national security. Don't, don't get yeah. me wrong on that. I don't think they're coming down to hug us or if they're mm-hmm. coming down or what we don't know. If I don't know what your purpose is, I don't trust you. I'm sorry. It, it just, yeah. you know, I, I got to know what are you doing here and why are you possibly in the way of air traffic and stuff? But you bring up a great point about the, uh, Congress going back into session and it was very quietly released, but I don't know, Michael, you might know about this, that there was a, uh, it was Marco Rubio and on the Republican side, and there was a Democrat in the same committee about the NDA, how they have made an amendment to the NDA that says that the government will absolutely, the military will absolutely now start investigating UFOs, UAPs. Mm. And they're funding. Yeah, there's an amendment to it, and it might be something that you guys can look up and talk about later. Um, But yeah, they they put that through, and now it's a part of the National Defense uh, uh, Mm. Act, right? So they whatever they saw in that report when they went to uh, um, break or whatever, and now they they come back. That was one of the first things that they amended to the NDA. And uh, I thought that was very fascinating, very telling, and very quiet. Yeah. Right? <laughs> That's right? the weird part. Building up to this, man, it was like, oh, the new, everybody was talking about this, all this talking, all this chatter, and then it yeah. just died. Yeah. It just, I mean, I think um, uh, uh, Jimmy Church even talked about when I had that conversation with him, he goes, who pulled the plug, right? Everybody right. was talking, and then somebody flipped that switch and said, all right make it the next thing we got to get to something else here yeah and that's very strange i it well i don't know then, something seems off well and i just wonder and okay conspiratorial mind going now i just wonder if it has something to do with now the the let's play people against each other about this coof and who got the poke and who didn't mm-hmm. right so we can at least not talk about this stuff anymore yeah. Let's let's keep people mad and arguing over, you know, things and we can go like, for instance, that whole thing about that amendment to the NDA. Not many people know that that was passed and, and mm-hmm. now amended that the, the U.S. military absolutely has to continue and, and are being funded now to investigate this phenomenon. So something triggered that. And I think it's exactly what you said. So. All right. Um, I don't mean to be that guy, but I do have to, uh, I do That's have to right. get off here. Cause I got to get ready to uh, go to work very soon. No um, problem. All right. But so, I appreciate you uh, having us on. Oh, it, it's, it's been awesome guys. And I was going to say, we appreciate you guys coming on. Yeah. It, oh, and yeah. It, it's, it's definitely going to have to be a part two type of situation for sure yeah. and we're we're just scratching the surface here <laughs> yeah no i and the we're great thing about this place. is this is the great thing about the technology when it's used right is that we we get people together we start brainstorming we start sharing these ideas and absolutely i think there is something to that mm, call it what you will channeling collective consciousness i don't know i think when we start asking the questions and we start seeking the answers present themselves so yeah i i that's what i love about the podcast community well, before uh i let you guys go anything coming up in the future that you want to let people know about anything you got lined up uh 
Well, for our show, um, for for us, what we cover weekly, it just it, it can vary a little bit. Like right now, we're covering the Oklahoma bombing, Timothy McVeigh. Um, that was Ooh, just okay. something that you know we've we've covered some stuff like Ruby Ridge and went went down at Waco and just the ins and outs of some of the history and how that's affected us as a whole. Um, and then we always try to mix in you know crazy cases like with the Stephen Kabaki, how he just went missing, and just cover some of that. And then right. for myself, I'm, I'm helping out the UFO garage guys on Saturday nights. I'll be over there at 9 PM Eastern central time. Awesome. Hanging out with uh, people. I got alien girl one, one, one next weekend here or the Saturday, I should say. And uh, okay. we'll be, we'll bring in quite a few people that way just to hang out with them and, and get their, their understanding actual reporters that have been trying to get into this for years. Uh, the one after her, the Rogie report, I'm excited for her take on the, the 180 disclosure because that's something she actually does she's a bona fide like reporter that's been trying right. to research this for years so it's really intriguing to get their take as much as i give mainstream media crap i still want to sit down and talk with them and, and, and get their Absolutely. point of view on it you know yep yep okay and i guess for us i guess we could since this is a swap cast we should talk about what we got coming up so mm-hmm. uh next week we got the the one and only richard serrett from the conspiracy show from toronto canada coming on i'm super excited about that because after i found his show uh like last year ish time mm-hmm. frame absolutely love the show it's it's a great show he covers everything ufos conspiracies you name it and i just love going down that rabbit hole and then we got confirmed coming up in a couple of weeks we're gonna have uh christina gomez on so yeah. she's going to come on our show and that's going to be awesome. And then in November for right now, we've got uh, uh, Mr. Sullivan who talks about paranormal in the cinema. Mm. So different things. Michelle's that... uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the little so subliminal all the little, messages, the symbology of the occult in cinema. So that's going to be freaking. Well, awesome. there's so much in Disney alone. That oh could be... yeah. Yeah. <laughs> percent. So, yep. So that's what we got going on. So, all right, guys, I, I know we're keeping you guys for a while and Micah's got to go. No worries. We absolutely loved having you guys come on. We got to get you guys back on here and have more of a chat. But um, I guess this is where we're going to say thanks a lot, guys. And we'll talk to you soon. See all right. You guys have a great night. Have a good one. All right, Michelle, we got to get them back on. We need a part two. Yeah, part two. We're we're talking Bigfoot next time. Dogman. How about that Michigan Stonehenge? We got to dig into that. That's uh, that's awesome. And I remember seeing an article mentioned about that not too long ago, and I was starting to dig into it and the whole Michigan Triangle. It's just kind of hard to find anybody who's a expert on those kind of things, but we'll find somebody. Well, and it's one thing flying over Lake Michigan and being able to see the the ship ruins, but the the Stonehenge looking, you know, figures in that picture. Yeah, that's obviously that some, was that was cool. That is that is an obviously man made standing stone structure about twelve meters under Lake Michigan. It's Michigan's Atlantis. Well, yeah, maybe. Yeah, well, in a knows? sense, we don't know. But anyways, hey, you know who might know something about that? Who? Randall Carlson. So, Randall, Randall, we need you to come on. And- we are calling out to you, Randall. <laughs> come on, Mr. Carlson. Let's get you on here and let's talk because, man, we've got a lot to talk about. Pressure's on. 
All right, everybody. I think we're going to just about wrap this up. It's been a long week. It's been quite a long podcast, and we hope you enjoyed it. So have a great night. And remember, everybody, keep your eyes to the sky. You have been listening to the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. You can reach us at mi.ufo.podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at mi underscore UFO and join our Facebook group by searching for Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters. So until next time.